I am the one thing in life I can control. I am inimitable. I am an original. I'm not falling behind or running late. I'm not standing still. I am lying in wait. Lin-Manuel Miranda Our world flies at us from every direction, making constant demands of us. It needs our time, our energy, our attention. A million little things fly by in the rush between one sunrise and the next. And at times it seems like we will lose ourselves in the constant flow of these endless demands. We run and we rush. We strive and we strain. And through it all, we ignore the needling little voice in the back of our heads that wonders if all of this will eventually just drag us down in the end. If we can go just a little faster, we tell ourselves in response, we can stay ahead of the curve. If we rush just a little more, we can blow past these barriers and be where we want to be. Be who we want to be. Success is always just beyond the next hill, like an oasis in the desert that stays just outside of our reach. But what if you could control the speed of what was happening? What if you could, for just a moment, slow things down, to breathe, to be, to create? If this was your world to do with as you wish, when you wish, what would you do? As the second hand crawls by, let me invite you to sit back, pour yourself a drink, and enjoy the show. I'm Rob Celtic, and this is Drinking and Dance at the End of the World. to Drinking and Dance at the End of the World. My next guest is a 15-year veteran in the Crump community, originally hailing from Oceanside, California, and now residing in Las Vegas. Repping the SK and Mad Roots crews, he has spent his career spreading the knowledge of Crump around the world, while at the same time balancing the student-teacher mentality within himself. Aside from being a college graduate, he also owns his own video production company, McCree Media, and is an accomplished photographer, cinematographer, model, a credit guru, gamer, and has been featured prominently in several of your worst nightmares. It is well known that after he smokes you in battle, he will then proceed to take several tasteful black and white photographs of your agonized face as you dwell on your own defeat, wondering why your God has forsaken you. Rumor has it that once the pandemic ends, he'll be hosting a gallery show displaying these artistic masterpieces entitled Fuck With The Best, Get Smoked Like The Rest. It is my distinct pleasure to welcome LeVar McCree, a.k.a. Basics, a.k.a. Twin Style, a.k.a. Twin Style Ripper, to this humble podcast. Basics, welcome to the show. 
That was awesome. <laughs> oh, that's probably one of the best introductions I've ever had in my life. <laughs> well, I very much appreciate that. Uh, I can take the show on the road at any time. So. There we go. Mm-hmm. I'm in Vegas. If I got to put a word in, we can get it going. <laughs> <laughs> Don't play with me. I'm I'm down. I'll do it. Right. It doesn't even matter what. Um. So, what are you drinking today? So. Originally, I said Moscato for you, but I went and got that Stella Rosa Black that I said I really wanted. Hey, good stuff. Good stuff. And I myself, I'm drinking um, pretty much my favorite beer in the world. It's been featured on the show plenty of times, but it's called Fin du Monde. It's one of those uh, really super alcoholic uh, Belgian <laughs> beers. So the Strong ones that work. Mm-hmm, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> So I've been, uh, you know, I'm happy to say I've been training this week with my alcohol tolerance. So uh, hopefully by the end of this show, I will not be a total wreck. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. I already already left the glass alone. I've just been hitting the bottle. So it's all right. (laughs) Attaboy. Attaboy. Now, I had this uh, habit when I was um, in my later years in college. I would just show up to parties with like a bottle of champagne. (laughs) And then people would be like, yo, that's great. He brought the champagne. And I was like, yes, I brought it for me. (laughs) So I would would be in the corner just like sipping off the bottle like the most shady, sus motherfucker you ever met in your life. (laughs) But I tell you, good, good listeners, um, I I was in my element. It was wonderful. (laughs) That's all right. That's what it's supposed to be. Exactly. Bring your own. They tell you BYOB. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and also never get in the way of your own fun that's right yeah unless i mean you know within reason uh, right, of course. <laughs> well that said um i think it's only right that we raise our glasses in a toast uh to your health sir cheers cheers uh, all right so this is so good Oh, I, I don't doubt it. And I'm having myself a time as well. So <laughs> it can only I'm go accidentally up. halfway through, I think. So whoops. Oh. <laughs> Damn man, I didn't know I'd kept you waiting that long. No, I was just <laughs> it just tastes like juice. <laughs> so I keep going. But I'm oh, hot right now a little bit. So it's Okay. All right. All right. Well, I'm praying for you. <laughs> that said, um first question. Uh, who inspired you when you were coming up and who inspires you today? Ooh. Okay. Um, everyone always cringes when I ask that question, but I love it and I'm gonna (laughs) keep doing it. (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm luckier than a lot of people because I had chances to work with the creators, both Todd eyes and Miho. Um, Mm. Todd eyes is actually my best friend now of 10 years. Uh, but when it came to, well, shout out to Tide Eyes. Yeah. You know. And Miho. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Can't leave um, them out. Right. But um, yeah, coming up, um, that was definitely the person to look at, you know, the creator. And you're like, man, I want to be like him one day or I want to learn from him. Or in your mind, you're like, I'm going to beat him one day. But, you know, oh, yeah. decades later, um, <laughs> <laughs> no one has been able to do that like that. But <laughs> um, aside from that, um, really just anyone that's kind of creative like people that get in their own little world like i used to watch homeless people man that Mm -hmm. like (laughs) that would hear music in their heads and they're just like in their own world and i'm like dang i wonder what it takes to be able to create your own world to where you really believe you are somewhere else like that was my goal um i mean one would like to think that's a choice but i uh (laughs) i don't think that's the case most of the time bro (laughs) 
But I mean, still to do it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> rather than them really thinking they're somewhere, you know, that's different. Mm-hmm, so I, mm-hmm. started, I was like, whoa, that's that's interesting. Um, which led to, <laughs> you know, storytelling and things like that, which obviously all the things that, you know, you said I've done, it kind of led to that initial root of how I felt about things. Um, mm. But yeah, besides that, really, it was just tight eyes. And then some of the OGs before me, um, people that, wouldn't be recognized amongst other dancers because they stayed in the crump community. So, so tight would be like a guy named Stux, S-T-U-X-X, mm-hmm. just super groovy dancer. And I was like, yep, I'm going to be a groover. <laughs> Oof. Um, this guy named Hurricane who lives in North Hollywood now, he makes music, but he um, was just so technical with his movements and his creativity. Mm-hmm. I would be like that. So it's like in crump, it was, you see the original people, and then you kind of like pick bits and pieces to where you kind of find yourself, you know? Yeah. I, um, cause I've, I've been thinking about this for years, uh, because in, in Chicago footwork, as the audience knows, my mentor is King Charles, who is amazing, bro. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're telling me, um, but I had this, this thing, like, you know, as his student where a lot of people accused me of like, you know, Oh, you're just trying to be like Charles. You're just trying, you know, copy this, copy that. And I That's used to the student teacher mentality, well, man. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I used I to feel, people do that. I used to feel bad about it, you know. But then I'm thinking, right. like, well, th- th- that's how it goes with everybody. Like, you try and be your hero, and it's actually at the points where you fail to do that where you discover who you actually are. That's where Woo! your style comes in, you know. The points where you couldn't be like your hero are the points where you can be yourself. I'm about to write you down. Hold on, let me put that on paper. <laughs> that's going on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, you know, one drink in. Right. All right. Um, but yeah, no, no. So, uh, I mean, I got lost in my own sauce there for a second. My apologies. Um, no, it's fun. It's fun. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you're talking about like all these prominent, uh, crumpers who not a lot of dancers outside of the community would know about because, the crump community is pretty much a self-sustaining insular thing from what I've seen. You know, we got a a pretty good scene out here in Boulder, uh, Denver area, Colorado uh, with the droid family and all them. Hey, my boy, Dylan. Uh huh. Shout out to Dylan. Yep. Um, but not to put too much on your shoulders, but you happen to be the first crumper we've had on this show. And we're like, this is 27, 28 episodes in. Um, While everyone in the modern street dance uh, world has been quite familiar with Crump ever since the documentary Rise hit the scene in 2005, I do have a good portion of lay people and people in the vintage dance scene that listen to this show as well. So for those who don't know what Crump is, how would you describe the style? Um, It's very... uh... It's it's um, a lot of people always say it's like, oh it's an aggressive angry dance but <laughs> but that was like the root of it right yeah because um, it started in South Central um, shortly after like the Rodney King beatings and all the stuff kind of like the time we're in now which is even crazier because it feels like this made Crump elevate even more it's almost like a rebirth kind of thing but um, I mean that makes during sense. that time. You know, during that time, people needed something to express, stay away from gang violence. So a lot of people were clown dancing first, which was literally clown paint on, hopping out of a van, dancing fun, partying, you know, like doing their whole thing. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. was the root of what 
clown dancing was. And then it led to it getting a little bit more aggressive with an attack. Um, and it became something that we called um, like hardcore hip hop almost, or the first name was actually rugged nigga dancing. <laughs> Yo, that's a bit of history. Is, I did not know. Right. That's amazing. <laughs> which is what it looked like, you know, um, which was just super aggressive. Um, but we loved the entertaining side. So there was the wrestling factor. And then that's the probably most discussed thing about Crump now is if you battle a Crumper, they're going to try to touch you or do this or that. Like that's what everybody thinks, but that's because of just wrestling performance or we just like to, exert that as a way of intimidation um even though the best don't even need that well it's um, it's funny that and i'm sorry to cut you off i'm gonna let you finish um but it's it's <laughs> funny that you mention this because like within the last two minutes of dialogue you've kind of hit almost every question i'm planning on asking you so this is really <laughs> no no it's beautiful you've you've hit like a great fucking summary of shit i'm just gonna keep going back to for the rest of the episode but sorry go on (laughs) um yeah but uh but with that it kind of just took uh took a toll and then of course just like any other style and wherever it came from Mm -hmm. um you tend to see styles that were similar and then they tend to bump heads and that's where in rise you see the clown dancing in it you see the crump in it and then there's that big battle at the end which some people felt like you know crump got cheated but I mean, at that point, it was a new thing. Yeah. The following of all the families and parents and everybody that's there. And then it's crowd based. You got bias. Tommy the Clowns event. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just this big thing. Like, mm, come on, man. But <laughs> regardless, it, it made the statement and people knew. And then at that time, a lot of clown dancers started to learn how to crump or they started transitioning. Some people stopped doing this. Mm-hmm. So it made the effect that it needed to have. Um, but between then, which was like. <laughs> 2003 2004 mm-hmm. now which is about you know 16 years because i actually started in 2004 so maybe i'm like hitting 16 years now but ah, um, okay around that like barely barely hitting it <laughs> um but around that time of that change you started to see it get more technical mm-hmm. you started to see um more freedom in the dance. You started to see um, different styles emerge, like people that were funny, people that were smooth. Um, you started to see people from other styles come into Crump. So you started to see animation in Crump now. Oh yeah. Um, you started to see B-boys that came to Crump. So you started seeing a lot of groundwork. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people that came from places that had a lot of footwork. Tadai's already had a lot of footwork because he loved Michael Jackson. But you started to see people that came from Memphis, people that came from New York with light feet. Um, I know some. Well, I don't really know personally anyone that came from you know Chicago area. Oh, I can totally give you something, but we'll I'll wait till after I know the Chicago. Know. I know the Chicago Crumpers. I just don't know if they were in you know um, that whole movement. Well, in terms of in terms of footwork, uh, actually, one of my crewmates, Pauzetti, was training with. Um, Oh my God, I forgot his name out in Los Angeles, uh, but he was one of uh, Miss Prissy's folk. Uh, X, I think his name, like Manny. I forget his name, but dude was uh, teaching him uh, crumping as well. So like um, for a while, pause was like blending crumping with his footwork and it was like getting really crazy results. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's like two different worlds. Oh Um, yeah, absolutely. So it's awesome. I mean, the things that you can do in blending, it, especially in a young style like Crump, like, you know, the dance itself is about 20 years old. Mm-hmm. So to have that um, and then see the growth from Rise when everybody was just looking crazy, pushing each other, doing that <laughs> till now. Yeah. You know, like 
and it's just so crazy, like the different types of things that, that we see and that we can do. So it started as an aggressive thing towards a lot of arm motion. Um, but that's a big misconception as well, because mm-hmm. a lot of what Trump is resides in your core. Mm. So it's a lot of stomach and chest and that gives your balance, which is your footwork. I'm sure, you know, way more than me about that, but <laughs> I mean, a but your core is definitely going to get you that, right. That balance is definitely going to give you that. Um, I mean, that core is definitely gonna give you that balance for that footwork. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you have the upper body with a lot of highlights, like movements within the neck, the shoulders, the chest. And then that's what makes it look extra crazy. But a lot of people just see the arms and they think that that's what they have to do. You see it in movies, you know, like oh God. Stomp the Yard. Step oh, up. God. <laughs> um, what's that cheerleading movie? The, uh, oh, which one? Um, the one where it was like a competition, but it was like a funny movie at the same time. Oh, man. Um, um, mm. oh, I'm so mad it's going to bother me if I don't say it. Bring it on. That's it. Yeah. So they had the bring it on movies and then the little girl was in there trying to crump too because they had like crumpers that came in to like teach or whatever. I was like, it was the worst <laughs> worst industry move like for us because oh. so many people were just like, oh, I can do it, you know? Oh, I don't just, doubt it. It's too much. What's well, funny <laughs> yeah. too, like you um, you mentioned the people that, you know, were very clearly trying to do it. So whenever you see crumpers, uh, well, not actually, whenever you see people trying to crump or like doing a caricature of crump or like faking it or this or that is usually like dudes like swing, swinging their arms a bunch and like just punching the shit out of their, their hat. You know? <laughs> like that's, that's their interpretation of a hat trick is just, I'm going to take this shit. I'm going to just like, right. And slapping, yeah. the ground. slapping the ground is the, is the known move. Uh huh. Yeah. But, um, so to, to bring it back around, a big theme on this show is uh, black dances, um, because, you know, I'm, I'm a guest of black culture. So black dances arising, as you mentioned, as a, um, a response to oppression, as a response to uh, violence, as a response to like these these uh, social inequity that that um, disproportionately affects black people in America. Right. And that's that's been going on for you know, hundreds of years, clearly. And like, even right. back in swing dancing and blues dancing, which are like the original street dances, that's how that shit came about. So one of the big things, uh, since we're talking about misconceptions of crump is that, I mean, it is just aggression and it's just, you know, uh, arm swinging and this and that. Um, but the, the thing I found that ties most black dances together, well, pretty much every black dance I've ever seen has been groove has been the concept of groove and, and not a lot of people who weren't born in the culture understand that intuitively. Like we have to learn that later. Right. You know, so how does groove manifest itself in your style in crump? So in crump, first of all, it's something that done right can affect the whole room done wrong <laughs> completely ignored and oh yeah you know, we see it wrong and it's like oh my god here's somebody else about to do this but <laughs> right the whole room feels something and they get pulled into something um, yes so one thing i can say just about black culture and black people in general um though not everyone is vocal especially um as a black man but all men in general just don't tend to be feelers <laughs> or we are we just don't speak about it um, i mean we've been conditioned not to Right, exactly. He's like, don't yeah. be weak, you know, like that whole thing. <laughs> but you know, when so much just happens to you, you have to feel something. Um, yeah. And sometimes 
turning that anger or sadness or whatever it is into something comes out in movement or whatever it is. Because if you just sit there and bottle it up, then your mind's going to go crazy. So you have to really? kind of push that through your body, you know, so that's where the that tends to come in as a groove. That's why I think in all the dances, grooving tends to be something so much because we're feelers. We need to feel because that's the way that we can express or tap into our own world at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so for Crump, it, t- it tends to come in, like I said, that core and chest work, it's all going to be inside. But you have to know who you are in the dance, um, even as a person. You know what I mean? Um, and then it's how you embody the music. And for us, it's really about like strangling the beat or catching the music a certain way mm-hmm. to manipulate. But if it's not inside first, you can see it. You can see it on people's faces. You can see when someone's faking. I think in any dance, you can really just look and you can tell when someone's not even there. Oh, yeah. And you're like, mm, okay, you're just doing these movements because you took 10 classes. You know, well, like, I mean, I had a lot of people <laughs> say that about words. me and rightfully so. You know, I'm, I'm a guest of the culture. So I had to unlearn a bunch of shit to get anywhere close to the truth. But regardless, the mentor and teacher you have wouldn't do anything without giving you the proper history and understanding. Absolutely. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of teachers that don't do that. Um, there's a lot of people that dive into the culture and assume they're teachers and then start teaching false information, Oof. which makes it harder, you know? Um, and I'm sure that there's that in Chicago as well. I mean, people are <laughs> trying. As soon as people, right. Yeah. Cause people get that information or they get some clout and then it's like, I can get money off of this. And that becomes the driving force. Um, What's that saying? Compared- uh, a little information is a dangerous thing. That's a fact, yeah. man. Um, but yeah, when it comes to who we are and what we feel like, that's probably the most important thing is making sure the dance is, is real to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so our groove comes from that emotion of how do I feel right now? You know, which you can see somebody that's dancing heavier. Mm-hmm. You can see somebody that's dancing lighter and their body's lighter and they're just on their feet. You know what I mean? On the balls of their feet, constantly moving. Um, the people that seem rooted, you know what I mean? That are more power dancers. Yeah. Um, might stay in one place, but everything's rocking heavy. Like, you know, maybe that's just how they feel at the same time. Um, but it tends to be like really an expression of who they are. Like people's styles came from how they always felt or how they lived their life, which is so interesting to me. Like that's why learning that history was something that I really enjoyed so I could tell other people. Yeah. And that's, that's, one of the big reasons why we have this podcast so that, you know, we can get that from the source. Right. You know, um, it's especially important nowadays for us to like have our information, have that knowledge down because people think it's like a secondary thing to the skill. And I I would argue, and I'm sure you would agree. Nah, that's the primary concern. Like know the truth so you can express the truth. Right. Exactly. And a lot of people, um, especially like, you know, newer generations, once uh, <laughs> gets a certain age, you know, oh, yeah. the next generation comes in and especially now with social media and all that, it makes it so difficult to really understand a dance. A lot of people just see it, copy it, do it. And they want followers and likes compared to did this dance just affect you, you know what I mean? Or change you like it did for us. Um, but it's a, it's a really interesting thing to see people dancing just looking like shells like there is no groove there is no feel and that's what you tend to see in crump a lot like a lot of people just learn the style because they think oh i can do these cool moves and move super fast and aggressive but you can't feel anything but then when somebody dances that you can feel you're like whoa (laughs) 
you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that controversial clip. Um, I'm going to say controversial because, first of all, we loved it, but it went viral. <laughs> I think I know the one you're talking he, about, but go on. It's going to be about, um, I was going to say about Miho. Oh, okay. I don't know if talking about. All right, I don't yeah, know. You can talk about something. <laughs> yeah, go on. No, but I mean, because I, I was referring back to like the, the black culture side of him dancing. Mm. And um, during the crazy time of all the protests, when it was at like its peak, um, he went to a protest in L.A. and he went front line and he just started getting off like, Oof. which is, I mean, and it was in like slow motion and stuff, the way they filmed it. And he was in front. He was using like invisible props with like guns aiming at him and stuff. It was crazy. I was like, yo, how was that controversial? Because what happened was it was posted and then dancers loved it, you know, like it's expression, but then everybody else just sees it. And, you know, the social media sharing it around like, oh, man, look at this. And then it's all going crazy. And then you got people that are ignorant saying things like, oh, if I was a cop, I just would have shot him and like crazy stuff that you're hearing and you're seeing. But he went up for hip hop, like all this different stuff of just this clip of, oh, there's a protest and this guy's just going to dance. Like, you know what I mean? And then yeah. you got dancers speaking up, you know, for that expression. We all loved it, did things. Next thing you know, he's on the news. He did something with the news. Like this big thing about just dance and it took off. And that was right after he was um, on the Beyonce and Jay-Z, like on the run tour. So he was super black activist. Mode. Damn. He always is, but... Miho just loves that expression, so he went and did his thing. Um, but it's just crazy how people look as dan- at dance as like we can't express with it. But again, well, that's how we started, you know. It's funny you should say it too, because uh, the Chicago footwork community had our own um, video like that, uh, and it was this cat uh, I met very briefly in Los Angeles, Rashad Harris. Uh, shout out to Rashad. Shout out to the tribe. But he he got up on top of a squad car and started footworking Ooh, in all, Chicago. That's dope, that's dope for one. Yeah, <laughs> that no, it was amazing. That in my head is dope. I got to find that clip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll find it and I'll send it to you when I got it. But it, it was just like the entire community uh, was all for it, obviously. But um, no, no. I mean, there's no but to that. Like, I mean, oh, really? No one like no like no people. I mean, I'm, sh- I'm I'm sure, sure somebody people. did. Like, uh, you know, there's there's always the 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 danger of like respectability politics, right? You know, from like the the older generations, like the Bill Cosby's and shit. Like, pull your pants up, etc. <laughs> right, right, right. And this, you know, I mean, full disclaimer, speaking as an outside observer. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then you also are always going to have like ignorant white folk, you know, spouting off because you know we oh, have he problems. Went to jail, that's disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> that's disrespectful. Okay. Oh my <laughs> god! Yeah. The other things. <laughs> yeah. No, the knee on the neck was just fine and dandy, but dancing right. on a cop car. Oof. Oh my gosh! That's Oof. Respectful. Hood. Tisk tisk. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, curious to know what. Um, what that what you were talking about is a controversial clip sorry to bring it up and put you on the spot oh no it's fine i don't it was actually uh the because the last because i feel like there's a controversial controversial clip coming out of the community like uh, once a year at least like (laughs) a lot the last time i remember like a dance politics discussion that got like you know before we were worrying about real shit on social media like right you know dance before it most dancers got political they were bitching about um Tie dyes uh, kicking that dude in the handstand. You know the oh, the battle he had against the boy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, I think t- uh, during Ghetto Styles, Miho 
like kick back like a horse donkey kick and kick some guy in the chest too. Oh shit! Like it was a guy in the audience because he was on the end of the stage and kicked back and the guy got hit. Oh okay, like, totally accidental. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that thing with B-Boy Machine, yeah, that's definitely controversial. Um, no, that was like, you know, you had all these dancers that were like, oh, I don't I don't talk politics, I don't do this, I don't do that, and then talked about that shit for a week. And B-Boy Machine talked to Eyes after, and it was like, done. So it was literally yeah. one else. Of course, of course it was, because that's, that's how people work. Right, but there's been a silent, like, and that's something I don't understand as much about, because... I leave that fight to the creators. Like they mm-hmm. put the dance, they created it. So I let them kind of continue to pioneer it and do whatever foreground work they have to do. Um, but it's, it was this big thing of like Crump versus hip hop that went on for a long time. Oh my because God. Todd Eyes himself has said Crump is not hip hop, which was mm-hmm. a big statement, like big statement. And a lot of people were like, what hip hop is this? And this like all dances, but it's like, mm, I wouldn't say all dances or even street dance. You know what I mean? Because to me, um, Crump was like a hardcore hip hop. Like we was dancing to Buster Rhymes and 50 Cent before we had music or MOP, you know, and mm. people weren't even calling that hip hop. People were saying that's gangster rap. Like it's a separate subject. So yeah. then, are, we, are we gangster dance? Like, what are we? I don't know what it is. You know what I mean? So, yeah. That, and we have our own, like I said before, our own culture and world. We have our own way of dressing, which I see a lot of people pulling from that as well. Things like how we had hats on our waist, hats on our bags all the time because we had hat moves all the time, you know? Yeah. Next thing you know, you see everybody, the Les Twins battling with a hat on the belt loop. And it's like, oh, uh, that's what's up. We had that because we had material and moves from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, not just because it looked cool. <laughs> I mean, those fellas, there's so much to say. And so I'm not gonna. I'm just glad the eyes and Miho beat them. That's all that I care about. Well, yeah, I mean. The ghetto style, that was the biggest No thing. contest. I don't care about the whole... Nelson and all that because that's ghetto style. They always tend to win that regardless of what happens. Yeah. But I love that they beat the Les Twins. That's all that matters to me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've got like the Twins. The one thing I will say on the Twins is that they have their virtues. They're clearly like good at what it is that they do. You know, you can right. never argue yeah. against the artistry of those dancers because they're amazing in that respect. But there's so many other things right. where they like, you know, when they get involved with movements like that, where it's just like, OK, you can you can very clearly see where these people have come from. Right. You know what I mean? But they're good at what they do. Um, you know what I mean? But then I've heard that hip hop people have an issue with them, too, because it's like, you know, I'm not sure exactly what it would be. But I mean, I'm sure it's something along the lines of doing things from different styles without properly being trained in the style or whatever yeah, it is. I mean, there's, know, but... there's an element to that. And also like, you know, there's been a thing with the French hip hop scene where a lot of, and I can't, you know, this is definitely painting with a broad brush, but a lot of French dancers will be like, Oh, we took hip hop and we improved it or we made it better. Or we did this or that. And I'm like, no, you did not. You know, you just found, you just found your own version. Um, yeah. You, you're having fun and that's cool. But like, but one thing I can say is mm. I've noticed this about really any style um, traveling over the years um, because I've been vetted a little bit in a couple of places. Like uh, I've just been around a lot when it came to battling, at least in Crump. But being there, I've noticed um, from even seeing events from like b-boying and whatever popping, going to different countries, you experience a different texture and a oh, different yeah. purpose. So one thing, one thing I noticed about 
you know, like France, for instance, um, they're so rugged and raw mm-hmm. in any style that they do. Any style that they have, um, the whole process is the whole process is being rugged in Paris. You go to Japan, it's about creativity and the trickiness and the stunts. Um, you go to places like Korea, they're about the speed, you know what I mean? And yep. the technicality of things. Um, you know what I mean? And there's different, I mean, different things everywhere, of course. I don't know everyone to fully break it down. Um, but that type of texture, so I could see why in France they feel that way, especially because obviously they're from there. But um, yeah, the people that are raw and about that feeling, they see them and it's like, mm, they kind of just picked everything and just ran with it. <laughs> so yeah, like, yeah. Okay, bro. <laughs> I mean, it's not a not it disrespect, you know, like I, I, uh, I've spent a good time in France myself. Like I've been all through Europe and Asia and like, Amazing. yeah, we're going to, I think we're going to get into that in a little more detail a little later on, but like, you know, <laughs> There's a reason that Just Abu came out of France. Like they've definitely done amazing things over there, but it's just one of those like there is a difference, and that needs to be respected. Absolutely. Um, but going back to what you were talking about uh, regarding like uh, Tight Eyes' statement that Crump is not hip hop, right? Mm-hmm. right? And for me, I think that makes sense if I frame it through like my my uh, my friend Jarius King, B Boy Man of God, out of Chicago, mm-hmm. who lives in Hong Kong. He has this statement that um, there is no such thing as dance culture or street dance culture. It is black culture. And all these dancers are dances are a manifestation of that, you know? Right. So like hip hop is a distinct thing from Crump. And that that makes sense to me from my outsider status, you know? Right. And and I definitely understand like that makes it a lot better um, because I understand. I think a lot of people see hip-hop culture as only black culture which i understand that hip-hop culture is black culture but that's not the only black culture you know no of Um, course not because there's you know like you said like um blues and jazz and stuff like that like that's not hip-hop but you know we know where that whole world came from you know (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) it's you have common roots right and i just don't think that um people that are lovers of hip-hop were ready for something to come out like this and try to start its own new world um so it was like this is going to be amazing or this is working at first mm-hmm. people made fun of us They're like, oh i'm doing these gorilla moves and looking all like you know, oh gorilla imagery was like right what's all that thing that's racist as hell yeah, of but, course but i understand because of the arms and the power so everybody said yeah, yeah. throwing a fit people are like, oh they're having a seizure like spasming okay right <laughs> people do that with our style all the time the number of dumbass b-boys that come up to me in a battle and then just look like they have an epilepsy with their feet i'm like fuck off right because they don't know shit. Speed. people don't <laughs> understand speed first of all if you can't see it and understand all the technicalities in it then you're slow <laughs> you yeah know well, what I mean? <laughs> you know and they they think it's just about speed and it's just about trick 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 and i'm like nah man it's a black dance it's groove right it's you just groove. can't see it and it's the angles you guys hit is crazy like mm. and to maintain the balance get out of my face I guess <laughs> like to me that is insane and to keep moving you know what i mean like first of all it's hard to do anything fast longer than 10 seconds because you're going to be like whoo so to maintain breathing through that too like now you have to look at the athleticism in chicago footwork like bro come on like that's 
that's insane. Like, and that's the same way that people feel about like Crump. Like they think Tadas is a machine because he can go 12 rounds and there'll be three minute rounds. And yes, there's, <laughs> yes, there's moments in between where he breathes or he takes time, but that could also be character moments that he builds on, or it can be in-betweens that lead him into the next thing. Or sometimes he's just like, Ooh, let me, let me reset because <laughs> my mind's going crazy and I need to kind of find myself. Well, that, that actually reminds me, um, because we've been talking about a lot of facets of, of black culture, but specifically the facet called Crump. Um, I've been watching a good portion of your battles lately. Uh, Please mine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I'm a man who does his research because I take right. this shit seriously. <laughs> um, but even though I'm not a Crumper myself, it's always obvious when you watch a veteran dance because you take your time. Right. There's not a lot of wasted effort when I watch you and you always tell a very clear story. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to the younger cats in that culture uh, who want to develop those qualities in themselves? Um, it's your world, man. Like that's the biggest thing is your world. And if you're dancing or if there's ever a battle that you're in, people are there to see you battle or if you mm-hmm. force yourself into a battle, whatever you're there, people are watching you. Why are you rushing yourself? Um, the biggest <laughs> thing tend to put pressure on ourselves. Like people are like, hey, come on, man, do something, do something, do something. First mm-hmm. of all, if your friends are doing that. Get better friends. <laughs> <laughs> because those are probably also the friends in life that do that. So we don't want that. You know, yeah. like, um, they're like, man, just do it. Go ahead and do it. Woo. Go, just do it. Woo. <laughs> Get a face tattoo that says, go crazy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> And you're like, I'm going to just do it. And then after you're like, whoa, this is crazy. Why the fuck did you talk me into right. this? Why did I listen to you? Why are you in my circle? You know, like, nah, that's wrong. You need people that'll let you know. So one of my brothers that's um actually one of my battle partners, um, I don't know if you've seen any of those battles, but it's um, Baby Tide Eyes, who Baby Eyes has done a lot of work on the West Coast lately um, mm-hmm. when it comes to stepping into other styles and competition and things like that as well. He's been learning house, which is freaking amazing. Like, um, uh, I think he was even learning popping, um, but that's because he was around Yaya a lot. So, oh, that'll do it. Like that, you know. So <laughs> that whole world of just being there, he learned a lot of different things, but he really dove into the culture of it and learned. And it wasn't just like I'm gonna use it for my crump. Like he learned it to actually be a part and see what that world feels like, because he saw different people that wanted to come over to crump and understand. So to yeah. me, that's amazing. But, um. He he really is there when I'm about to dance and he might be like, all right, set the pace. He might just say that. Right. And for mm-hmm. me, I understand what that means, because pacing for us is the key to timing, which a lot of people in battle culture understand timing because it's not the same as musicality. Musicality is how you manipulate the music. But timing is just, you know, what's appropriate at the right time. Like, yeah. If I'm in a crazy buildup and then I go into a ground move or something like that, like, bro, you lost my attention because momentum dropped. So it's just understanding momentum in a round as well. When to do the right things, when to do this, when to do that. Um, It's really like your presence or crowd control, you know? And you've seen people do absolutely nothing with the right timing, and it looks like they just killed somebody off. They're they're responding to what's going on around them, to to what actually is. Right, because they connected with you. They understand the momentum, and everything just went up. And regardless, everything flowed the right way. Mm-hmm. There's people with crazy musicality that everybody will sit there quietly and just watch, but it doesn't build anything. You know what I mean? Like you have to make that feeling rise. Yeah. And a lot of that we realized is 
it's something we call liveness, but that's what hype is. You know, mm. feeling people get like, yo, let's go. Like that to, for us is liveness. So liveness always goes up because energy always goes up, heat goes up, whatever. That and that always goes up. That's why when you're in concert, they like put your hands in the air. Like everything's up. And we realize that early. So whenever that happens, that's when you see people jumping or throwing their body up. You know what I mean? Mm. That's the time. And then when you see people down, it's more of a grimy, dirty feeling. So if long time it doesn't feel right you know so the only way you can find the pace and set the pace to take your time is to really feel the music feel the atmosphere see where you are and establish yourself in your round um which we've used as intros like a lot of people think an intro has to be all epic and theatrical (laughs) like no my intro could just be me checking every part of my body to make sure it's moving the right way you know what i mean or introducing my character and my personality to you yeah. Then as soon yeah. as I can introduce my personality, then it's like, all right, well, what do you have to say now? You know, and then now I can get into my fancy moves <laughs> or, you know what I mean? I can talk trash or whatever. Um, as now as that I'm you've introduced in. yourself, you can get right. down to business. Right. You have to you have to establish yourself first and let yourself be known. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, so what do you feel sets you apart from a lot of the other crumpers on the scene today? Um, probably pace. Pace is something that I always am able to establish. Um, I'm not one of those wild childs that go crazy and throw in their arms. Um, I'm a real conceptual dancer. Um, Mm. I love that idea of creating something that's mine, being in my own world. Um, and really just taking my time to establish something, but it's making the other people understand what I'm trying to say. Like, yeah, taking the um, time to really, like, establish the world I'm building or the, the pace I have, everything there, that to me is is key. Like, if I can bring the person I'm battling into my world to where they can understand what I'm saying, then that's perfect. And that's something I'm good at is, like, storytelling and things like that. Um, but really, it's the atmosphere. Building an atmosphere takes a lot. And that's something that I can do within the first 10 seconds. I mean, practice makes perfect, right? Right. Um, and again, to me, that's why it led to video production, to all these other things, <laughs> because I loved it. Um, you know, and that's the whole thing of just creating a story and how can I make other people see my story or get the point or the moral mm-hmm. of my story, then that's it, you know? And it's funny you should bring that up because I, the episode right before this one um, that we just put out yesterday uh, was all about storytelling nice um so it's like really fitting that i'm talking to you today because you know this is something since the pandemic struck it's it's been a lot of taking my time to figure out what kind of dancer i want to be when i can be around other people again right and you know i'm a storyteller just in general like i was an actor before i danced i i told stories i painted i did all this stuff to like bring people into a world i'm a writer as well which is where this podcast comes from so all that to say, like, I hear you 100% when it comes to that. And that's why, that's why it's such a pet peeve for me to see people of newer generations just focusing on the movements or the original moves or... The tricks? You know, yeah, the tricks, the all these different things. You know, everybody gets focused on these hat moves, the shoe moves, the shirt moves, <laughs> the ground moves. Like, those are awesome, but that to us is like a special effect in the movie. That's not the story. That's not the moral. That's the part that makes everybody go, wow. You know? Yeah. Um, 
which at the right time again is amazing. You hit that wow at the peak of the story, then it's perfect. But if you're just hitting wows throughout the whole time, it's just like, man, am I just what is this street fighting? Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, there's no point. That's like if Rocky, the whole Rocky movie, was just him running down the like the street, punching everybody in the face. Well, that was the thing. like <laughs> even with, even with street fighting, like you know, boxers drill fucking combinations. They have a foundation. They have all sorts of shit, right. and then they can get flashy. Nobody wants a cake that's just made out of icing. But even if it's like just combinations, mm-hmm. what is it for? You know, True. like. Because even though they have combinations, they'll lead you into something. They they move around the ring. They tire oh, yeah. out. They're not just going to, again, start the fight and hit a crazy combination. The first <laughs> one they land, everyone's going to go, wow. But if you just keep doing it over and over, people are going to be like, yo, what am I watching? Well, people treat it like they're actually playing an arcade game. Like it's right. just hit the right combo <laughs> at the right time and you're good, right? Right. That's like, all it is, right? Play, like, a younger sibling or like a younger friend that's like playing a fighting game. They're just like kicking over and over. Oh, those motherfuckers. Right. Sometimes it's hard because you can't get past it. Yeah. You can end up losing because they keep hitting all these moves and it throws you out of what you know. You know what I mean? And then that's when you see these people that aren't as talented, but they're just doing they're creative. You know, they hit all these fancy moves and you tend to see them win. But it's because the other person wasn't themselves or they got frustrated like, man, stop doing those moves. I could do it without the moves. And they start doing stuff like that. And then now you're losing the battle, bro. Like, you I mean, know that was I mean? a, that was a really dope metaphor you used. It's very beautiful. And I know when I replay this to myself, I'm really going to appreciate it. But I'm still just that. thinking of those motherfuckers that were hitting low key, like low kicks on low Mortal Kombat, <laughs> beating your ass. Are they doing this, an uppercut? That, knocks that, shit, over and that over? shit would ruin my whole day. <laughs> I'm mad about it. I totally miss, like I totally missed the beauty of your metaphor because I'm still thinking about this fucking fight I had with my cousin in Mortal Kombat in 1996. So, all so that. I, when I'm go- when I come back and listen to it too, I'm gonna be astounded because I'm yeah I'm almost through the whole bottle now. So I'm just kind of talking damn. at this point. Okay, okay. Well, now you've you've hit a good level. I'm halfway through my <laughs> bottle, so even though there's um, not much alcohol in here, but it just tastes so good. That's just it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, that's for you. you know. Yeah. Um, that's what we call self-care. Doing it for you. <laughs> treat yourself. That's what treat yourself. <laughs> um, so we're going we're gonna to take a quick break. But before we do, I got one more question in terms of crump culture. And this is something like, it's kind of stupid that I've been in Colorado for three years and I'm surrounded by crumpers and I've not asked a single one of them this. But this is my first time talking with you and I'm going to ask it to you. Um, Names in Crump. Now, like, I have run into, like, you know, being a guest of, of the culture, I love that, like, the, the emphasis on naming, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. Most dancers have one name. <laughs> Every Crumper I know has, like, 30 goddamn names. And, as, it, like, as an outsider, I'm like, okay, so some of these names seem to be, like, tied to crew affiliation and ranking, and some of them seem to be, like, hereditary titles and... So I'm, I've always wondered about that. So what I can give you the yeah, go on. I'm gonna give you the good gist or the good breakdown of this, um, without you know going too crazy into it. But it's enough to where you'll fully understand, appreciate it, and you'll understand the people that are like just dickheads. So (laughs) (laughs) Um, all ears. The the main two terms in Crump, which actually again came from L.A. and gang culture, was big Mm -hmm. homie and little homie. Gotcha. Because in neighborhoods, like let's say it's um, 
you know, blood stuff, crib stuff, whatever. You got a big homie, which is the person that's usually older, more mm-hmm. matured, kind of mentoring somebody that they would call the little homie, which tends to be somebody younger that they're bringing into the gang life because either, you know, they didn't have parents or whatever, you know, or they yeah. just want to get away from whatever their life is. But then most of the time they tend to lead them the wrong way or whatever. Yeah. Um, so in Crump, they like that and they maintained it. Um, so there's a big homie, right? That's the teacher that's the whatever and they have their own name for instance tie dyes tie dyes is also style ripper that's another style he made we'll get into that second part of why he made another style in a second okay but it's just something that represents him style ripper is a style he created that was based on battling other styles um because Uh. he liked to analyze people and attack them that way so we became analyzers the whole style we had was like an epic wisdom type thing but it's also aggressive like mafia that's why we wear fedoras we wear ties like whatever it's different for crump and we like that like we wanted to have to have a theatrical feel in crump to show that it's not just tim's white tees and ny fitted hats like you know what i mean <laughs> so it had a different presence mm-hmm. um so because of that uh that was his lineage he's the big homie anyone that wants to join his family or that style becomes a little homie Mm. which has the ranks like junior style ripper little style ripper baby style ripper or me twin as again his best friend i started as little style ripper first and then i got promoted up to twin as like his right hand man and i kind of look after that family for him mm-hmm. <clears throat> so there's that but after being a student or some people are already their own person we become big homies so you have your own okay. name. Like my name is Basics. I've had that name before I met Tide Eyes. Um, uh-huh. That name just represented me. It was who I was. I was a simple person. My style was simple, but it was kind of fancy at the same time. So I was like, hey, uh-huh. you're, like, you're good with the basics and the foundation, and you tend to stick to it. Why don't you go with that name? And we were driving, and we just seen a furniture. that said, like, Basics Furniture. I was like, my bro, my bro was like, hey, man, you should use that name. I was like, yeah, that's tight. That's fate. <laughs> and it was spelled with an X. I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> um that's funny i gotta i mean i'm gonna let you get back to it my my uh i have a crew member in creation named basic and it's basic with a k and uh i was the last time i was kicking with it uh, kicking it with him in los angeles he said some shit um he was talking about like uh some girl or some shit and then he was like hey man everybody goes back to basics <laughs> you know what i'm saying <laughs> Such a corny ass up. It's a play on words. Yeah. <laughs> but sorry, go on. I interrupted you. No, it's fine. But um, from there, um, you know, people tend to develop um, their own little homies now, their own students. So I have students in the basics family. You know what I mean? So I have my name and I have a student name. Um, mm. Now what tends to happen is if I pick up a certain amount of students and it's like we're just like, all right, there's this many names. We tend to sometimes, over time, develop another style. Yo. So I have basics, which is a more steady pace, a groover, a storyteller, you know, like everything that I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I developed another style, um, which came from tie dyes as well. We made this thing called Bad Guys. Because at a point in time, inside the crump culture, there was a lot of people blaming tie dyes for things. And they were looking at <laughs> us and our squad like, oh, yeah, you guys are always doing this and bashing people. And you know what I mean? Just disrespecting people in battles. Or um, it was a time kind of after the whole 
there was a big God movement in Crump. Like a lot of people was focused on church and stuff like that, but mm. had a crazy experience in church, which kind of led to us falling away from that. We still believe certain things, but the whole process of it and the business of church was a big turnoff for us. Um, Yo, yeah. And there was a lot of people that were saying they were prophets, telling us to do this and that, and we were believing it, thinking it's right. You Oof. know, whole separate world. Yeah, whole separate world that kind of ruined us. And that was for like eight years straight. Um, Damn. So getting out of that, you know, in it, first of all, when we were in it, we were going crazy on people in the movement. Like, no, you guys are against God. Like, <laughs> oh, no. Bro, we were going crazy on people. Like, in the LeVar. Right. <laughs> the whole crump movement became like Christ up. And it's like, no, nah, we're not. Oh. We don't do this. Like, we were. Oh. We weren't listening to like hip hop music because to us we were told it was secular music. So, you know, it was super so, strict. Super. So you were you were doing Kanye West before Kanye West was doing Kanye West. Right. We were doing we were doing that when he was, you know, college dropout. Actually making <laughs> sense and making good music. And we didn't even know who these people were until after we got out and started listening to music. Like there was a whole generation of like two thousand five to like 2011 to where we didn't hear any like secular artists or music or anything like i was so when i, when I started listening to lil wayne i was like oh shoot he's dope like <laughs> i was like, yeah we know, you know I mean? well riddle me this batman did you ever all like as a group paint yourselves all silver no <laughs> all right cool so at least you got that going for you <laughs> <laughs> no um but you know we made we made battles a spiritual thing like mm-hmm. we, well, i mean they are in a way i mean no it was like warring against the spiritual realm like we're here to save you so we're battling <laughs> oh, okay yeah no no never mind like we're not fighting against you we're fighting against the spirits behind you <laughs> okie dokie <laughs> i'm head out Man, it was it was intense, <laughs> man. Like, and that was during like the Crump Kings era, which was like the first big brand or first big crew. When yeah, I, I remember them, uh, Cartoons Family was like the first big crew. Um, mm-hmm. but that was like when Crump became like with DVDs and all that stuff was um, yep. with Crump Kings, and that was like when people started traveling. When Trump or not Trump, wow, this alcohol here comes. Breathe, when, breathe. <laughs> when Crump started getting to like Germany and Russia and Japan, like that's that was through Crump Kings. Like that's when the manager was heavy and people started getting booked. That's when money started getting involved. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that. So yeah. that was like the first big organization of the top crumpers in the world. Um so from, bad guys came out of that, the yeah. uh spiritual movement. Yeah, like basically that whole thing happened and people were like, Oh no. It's Todd Eye's fault and this. And then even after we stopped the church, we're like, oh, you took God out of Crump now. Like, uh, <laughs> so shut it was, up. It was everywhere. There's no way we could win. And he's like, you guys just want to paint me as the bad guy. So instead of making it a family, he started it as like an organization or a group. Um, so I he was like, and we all picked numbers. So it's kind of like, you know how rappers have like, oh, ASAP Nasty, ASAP Rocky, ASAP yeah, yeah. Berg. So it was bad guy one, bad guy two. And like, <laughs> it was like that. And, um, for instance, Tide Eyes was bad guy one. Um, mm-hmm. Concrete, uh, which is a great dancer, was bad guy two. Um, one of the bros, Spartan, was bad guy three. Uh, and it just kept going. Like, it just kept progressing onwards. And then um, I was like, you know what? I want to be zero. So I became bad guy zero. And hey. that became a whole organization thing. Um, and that style of bad guy, I kept. And it helped me develop my own style in that. To where zero became another name of mine. Love it. So and now, thank you. Sorry, go on. 
I was just going to say, now I have students and little homies under the zero name. So I have two names and then my student name. But the reason that happened is because I had more people I wanted to mentor and teach like on a personal level, but there wasn't enough space in the basic family or basic name to like create something. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I need to do something else to make room for people. That's what tie-dyes did. Cause there's not enough people for the tie-dyes family, like little junior, whatever. So he made style He made something off of his experience in New York called NY madness to where it's like uh, his whole style is a pissed off rapper that just didn't make it. So like it's Yo. super a bitter attitude style. And then he took the style ripper and the NY madness and put it together and he created a style called Mad Rip, which was like mm. which was like a Frankenstein like failed experiment. So the whole mm. style is kind of dramatic, but also like powerful and aggressive with no knowledge of whatever the hell it's doing. Like that was the mindset of it. Um so that's how these kind of come along, and then it made room for more students in multiple places. Now, some people, the dickheads I was talking about, <laughs> will make always there, always present, multiple names and dance the same through all of them. And they will pick cartoon characters. They will do all these different things that this is what it is. Um, I'm going to be, you know, um, twin Stella Rosa or baby Stella Rosa is going to be my thing. My whole style is going to be drunk. But, bro, you dance just like you did on the other one. So why don't you make another thing? <laughs> this was unnecessary. Right. Or you don't even have students. You know what I mean? Or you're picking students that you never met before. So what kind of mentorship is that? It's someone overseas and you send them a video once a month. You know what I mean? Like uh, It's funny you should mention that. And, and I'm so happy you explained the system to me because uh, the first, some of the first exposure I had to a lot of dance was when I was living in Japan. Wow. Um, and I was exposed to uh, a crumper in Japan named June. My boy Twigs. That's young style yep, ripper. He's that's a ex- style ripper. He's that's actually young- the same family. Exactly. That's why I brought him up because I was like, he had Twigs, the name, and then young style ripper. And here's the thing is that like when you speak Japanese, when you live in Japan amongst Japanese people, when they start doing English words for themselves, you're never quite <laughs> sure if they're just having fun, you know? <laughs> No, it's and funny. so for for a long time, I thought like Style Ripper was just this thing he thought sounded cool, so he gave it to himself. And now to hear, <laughs> like, to see it in your title and to hear you explain it, I'm like, okay, so June is legit. That's yeah. fucking great. Yeah, he's awesome. That's um, that's such that's a one my, That's one of my brothers. We've done a lot of work with him. We built a lot of stuff with him. Um, yeah, and kind of help him become the mentor he is now. It's where he has like 40 students out there. Um, it's such a big thing. He does a lot of stuff with like branding and sponsorship. Like he just, he did it the right way. Um, But I also know that Japan's a better market for things like that. So Um, yeah, I mean, we outside of Chicago, Japan is like the biggest fucking footwork community, like in the world. Yeah. Amazing. Like it's such fertile ground to start planting those seeds when it comes to dance. So crazy to even think about, like, but they got their uh, own issues too. Like, oh, we'll, we'll talk more about the international game in the next segment. But for right. now, we are going to take a quick break. Uh, my yeah. guest today is LeVar McCree, aka Basics, Twin Style Ripper, etc. etc. at all. Zero <laughs> bad guy, bad guy, zero. <laughs> there it goes. Yep, yep, yep. So, um, we will be right back. <laughs> Thank you. 
And we are back with LeVar McCree, a.k.a. Basics, Twin Style Rapper, Bad Guy Zero, etc. Yeah. Um, and we have both realized that we are way drunker than we were planning on being today. So we're going to do our best for the rest of this interview. But just it's so hot. Be and aware. <laughs> and he's in Las Vegas. So it's, you know, he's, he's not fucking around with his heat thing. Be aware that the, the, the next however long this interview goes is just two guys doing their best so the yeah. ac is actually on 66 and my body's really hot <laughs> <laughs> i don't think it has anything to do with outside not at all with miss stella rosa <laughs> uh, she is a fickle mistress that stella <laughs> so right. um all right, so to get back into it, do you spend any significant time battling dancers outside of your style? I ask because as a Chicago footworker, and you mentioned this in the beginning, but um, I'm going to go back to it. Like I said, as a Chicago footworker, when I battle other styles, I have to consciously remember that most other dances have rules against touching when it comes to battling. Now, in footwork, it is very common for us to touch during battles, either with pushing or doing tricks off of the opponents. And I always find it funny in open style battles when B-boys will freak the fuck out when it comes to touching. Like they will stop a battle because somebody like touched your hat or some Which shit. Which is crazy. If you watch Battle of the Year and oh. stuff like that, they're running off of each other's chest doing backflips, but... Oh, okay. I mean, it's fucking amazing because, you know, they'll be like, hey, yo, 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 this is about love and peace and this and that. <laughs> I don't and I'm know off you. On the, I'm off on the side. I'm off on the side laughing my ass off because, like, I'm a guest, but at the same time, being in Chicago footwork, I have had so much worse shit happen to me. And I'm just like, oh, schnookums. Like, <laughs> so that, let's talk about it, you know? <laughs> right. It's battle culture. Like, I'm here to either prove something to you when whatever it is, if there's prize money, I want the money mm -hmm. or, you know, in my mind, I just want to take your head off. That's it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. at that point, it's no mercy. Like it's not personal. I'm not talking no. about kids or your parents, but if it's war, we're, you know, we're athletes. Like we're going to war. If somebody gets tackled too hard in football and they're gonna be like, Oh, it's a flagrant. Like, now, you know, <laughs> you know, when it's a flagrant, anything in sports, <laughs> like they go for it. So, I don't know. People take it so personal. But, I mean, I understand people don't want to be injured, you know. But. Yeah, and I, mean, I think a cultural expectation because, like, yes, it is all black culture. But at the same time, there's different facets. So, in the com certain communities, like with B-Boys, like, you know, a, a little touch is a huge thing. Whereas in Chicago Footwork or Crumping, like, we can get shoved halfway across the room <laughs> and we'll laugh at it and come back and, like, do the same thing. And, you know, everyone will, you know, be cool afterwards. There was so, a time, I wish I knew the full story because I wasn't there, but Tadas has shared stories with me. And he told me about Miho, which obviously is big. We've seen mm -hmm. him in multiple things. Um, there's been a time, there was a time he battled a crumper in France that was like disrespecting him and talking crazy. Miho headbutted him and busted the dude's nose. First Damn. of all, Miho's trained in Muay Thai. That's why in ghetto styles, he battled in Muay Thai shorts. It wasn't just for a style. He knows how to do it. He's fought in UFC fights before. <laughs> there is just, okay, before you go on, there is a list a mile wide of why you should never fuck with Miho. Right, right. 
Like I don't even know this. <laughs> I don't know this cat personally, but like from what just, just like two minutes of watching him, you're like, nah, that's yeah, I can go the rest of one. my life without messing with that energy, you know. Right. So anyway, yeah, go on. But um, there's another dude named Jason or Slayer or mm-hmm. or uh, Dragon Dragon. He was in Rise, but um, he was oh, also cool. a big powerhouse. He was really big into like the style that we had. Um, he used to make like the spray printed shirts with like chains and stuff on it. Oh uh, yeah, whatever. that's two thousands energy, right? <laughs> he was in he was in the movie Rise talking about it. But he's one of the OGs, um, or people call him like one of the five pillars. Mm-hmm. Which would be Tide Eyes, Miho, Little C, Miss Prissy, and like Slayer or Dragon. Awesome. Um, those are like the people that were in the forefront during most of the time. Um, I don't know if that means they were the first um, group of people, but yeah, there was a lot of With, people. Without them, Crump would not be what it is today. Uh, I agree. Yeah, that yeah. I can I can agree with that statement for sure. Some people wouldn't, but you know, um, and they all played some part. You know, Little C went industry, even though him and Tide Eyes have static, but he went industry. He did a lot of things to push that in. Mm-hmm. He's done a lot with like, you know, so you think you can dance or whatever on whatever stipulations. It might not be the modern crump now because he kind of exited out of the street culture years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't battle. He doesn't compete or anything. Eyes and Miho definitely still do. Um, Prissy kind of did the same. Um, she kind of exited out of that and did more of the theatrical side, which is amazing. Yo, I've I've been to her shows. Uh, King yeah. Charles was part of the underground show for a while, and my my former uh, popping teacher Boogie Frantic was in that as well. So what she built for herself was amazing. Yeah, and she used different dancers and stuff, so it's awesome. Like she loves that theatrics of that, and she has this whole. Um, watch the throne thing that she does with different kids raises them up and it's awesome yo Um, shout out for real shout out to prissy um respect yeah absolutely you know amazing stuff what she's done but sorry go on no uh, for sure but it takes a lot of stuff to do that um to get into that world because at a time when everybody makes funny crump you know they had to find a way of kind of industrializing it um and making it commercial while still street miho disappeared for a little bit to play college ball Mm-hmm. Um, he was in college doing different things with his uh, fraternity and everything. And then Slayer um, or Dragon was like the heart or like the spiritual side, the heavy heartfelt. He became, you know, um, a minister and everything like that. But he was really big in the fashion. He innovated a lot in the fashion side, spray painting Timberland boots with chains. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. a lot of different things. Um, just different lingo and different things we came up with. You know, he was just a part of that. And he was one of the biggest storytellers. Like, he would be the person like, oh, I'm going to drag this person on the ground. He actually does like um, amateur wrestling now, too. <laughs> awesome. Like, I think his name's like Jay Baptista or something like that. Which is oh, like my Baptist. God. That's funny. Still, but <laughs> yes. But um, yeah, there was a time it was like a, like a birthday party or something like that, or like a barbecue. I'm trying to remember what eyes told me. But yeah, they started battling and somebody next thing you know, got picked up and slammed on the whole table of food and the table broke in half and. It was like a wrestling show, but they were really bad. <laughs> Yo, dear <laughs> diary. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. So to hear people talk about touching, like, man, you guys have no idea. <laughs> There's a singer, There's a singer um, who made a song called 24 Hours. His name's T-Fly. Okay. Um, he makes really popular music. Um, uh, but he used to also be Baby Tide Eyes. His Baby Tide Eyes and Rise. He's from L.A., um, there's a lot of artists that came out of Crump, FYI, too. But he um, came out of there, started doing his thing. But at a point in time, they were battling, and there was, like, a show that they were doing for Crump. And there was a girl named Queen Bee. It's like, a skinny kind of white girl. Mm. 
this dude T Fly, like <laughs> what did this man do? He speared her, speared tackle. That's like head first, arms wrapped around, legs up in the air. Speared yeah. her off of the stage. What like the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like what for? So you're like, saying this man caught a body? Anything. Yeah, basically he caught a body. Literally, <laughs> literally. But, but that was like, and they were all doing a show, so it wasn't a battle. It wasn't beef. It was just like, I see you. You're going off the stage with me. Like, <laughs> I can crazy. show you the world. And people, it was infamous. Like Little C, T Fly, and a couple other people had a group called a Hall of Fame. Um, so she was, survived it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but right. they had a group called Hall of Fame, which was a lot of old school cats that were keeping that feel while mm-hmm. Tyler was taking it more in a technical aspect during the Crump King era. Okay. Uh, that's why you didn't see Little C or T Fly in that time. They kind of went another direction. Um, and that's when they started doing tours. Uh, Hall of Fame actually did a tour with Chris Brown, which is why you see him trying to crump all the time. <laughs> Thank you um, for making that <laughs> distinction. He's trying he was around, to do it. Right. He was around yeah. crumpers, so he got the culture. And he was learning from people like T-Fly, Little C. Omarion was learning from people like Tide Eyes and Little C. So I mean, Omarion was learning from my folks as well. Chemo and uh, King Charles out in Los Angeles, like... I mean, Omarion right. puts puts the work in. That's a fact. It's, yeah. it's I think that's why, like, when I see people talking about artists and battling and Usher, and I'm like, these people were. He was actually in the streets though, like with battlers. So, well, I mean, Usher learned from Flowmaster. Really? Yeah, I I know that because uh, episode three of the podcast um, was uh, with Soul Jade Zuberry. Right. And they, so we had a we had a whole talk about how like nobody credits. Usher these days with like inspiring a generation of dancers because he inspired right. the shit out of me. God damn. Yeah, everybody in forces trying to glide, but mm-hmm. trying to do the Usher chain swing. Everybody did that. Oh, I remember that. Those <laughs> golden years, man. I'm gonna. You know cry. what's actually crazy? Todd Eyes um, and Little C actually worked with Usher on the Yeah Project. I believe <laughs> so. It. I totally that's believe it. Funny, yeah. And they choreographed a lot during that time um, before Tyler's took the whole spiritual route and he denied a couple of projects. And the next thing you know, boom, they blackballed him. Um, oh, man. He got blackballed from the industry because there were certain things he didn't agree with spiritually, like the music or the tours. And it's like, no, I can't do this one. And after a couple of denials, they won't send you any more jobs and they'll just kind of keep you out of it. Yeah, that is kind of that's that's how society works. <laughs> right. You got one or two no's. The rest, you'll never see it again. Yeah, exactly. But I mean. It's it's not like Tide Eyes hasn't done well for himself and built an entire fucking, you know, uh, right. castle. <laughs> right. But I say all that to say that, um, yeah, within the the five pillars, the mm-hmm. whole pro- uh, whole process of touching in battles was something. Um, so I don't know the way people feel when it comes to touching in a battle and crumpers coming and they're all going to push me. I feel like, yes, it's a thing to do in a battle. Yes, we can do without it. Um, there's There's been times people did without it, and then Crumpers end up winning a, a jam or whatever it is. Yeah. But, you know, um, to immediately feel that somebody's in danger, like, all right, let's say when these things do happen, how many reports are actually, like, are there any injuries? Are there, or is it just your pride's getting hurt and people don't want that? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like I understand the whole thing with 
b-boy machine and tie-dyes i was just about to say because he was in a compromised position you know right legs over his head exactly and we know that you know even at that point he doesn't walk the greatest i'm not sure of his full medical history but we know there's something there yeah you know what um and that you know it's just that type of situation um so to see that happen it's like all right that's like kicking somebody out of a wheelchair and that's kind of messed (laughs) up but at the same time this dude machine is not little (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean, he's a, he's a man like, who can take care of himself, you know. And No, the idea of it, of he could have gotten hurt is what makes people mad or they see it as disrespect at that point. Like, oh, why would you do that? But it's like, he's all right. It was all all right. Everything's there. Yeah. It was a rebuttal in the middle. It's like. And he wasn't he, tripping he about was, it. Right. You know what I mean? It's just like, dang, that's messed up. But ah, he caught me and I'm down. You know what I mean? Like, people don't expect that. But also, if. It was Todd Ice at a hip hop event battling. Would mm-hmm. he have done that? I don't think so. Why? Because there's no point at that point. He's doing what he's doing. He's making his statements there. But when it's Machine at a Crump event, you're in our world now to be upset at any way that it's being operated. You know what you're getting into. Welcome to our world. Right. Before you get into it, you know what's there. You know the possibilities. So to try to get mad at how our events go, you can't really do that. Um, so that's just, you know. So speaking of which, uh, in terms of like cultural rules and shit, uh, so you mentioned before your tour uh, around the world through Europe uh, in 2016, I went, I hit like 17 different countries with Chicago footwork. Let's go. Yeah, man. I was like six months going hard in the paint because, you know, I was like, all right, I'm, 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 I'm just going to do this for the culture and for myself, you know? But right. it's it's funny too because our style is technically like fifteen, maybe twenty years older than yours. But like ours got not uh, international prominence or recognition like you know a decade after yours, like because Chicago is an insulated uh, city, you know. So so many people knew about Crump before they knew about Chicago Footwork, even though Crump is a younger style. So all that to say, like when I traveled the world outside of America and Japan, like not a lot of people knew much, if anything about Chicago full work. So I didn't get to really have those conversations in terms of like battling uh, with somebody who was doing my style, you know, but I'm sure it was different for you. So my question is, what is it like to go to other countries and battle crumpers over there? Like what kind of energy do you experience when folks who don't natively speak the language of your dance attempt to speak that with you? Um, there, there's certain things like there's advantages and disadvantages, of course, but the main feeling when I go somewhere, I know people are going to want to battle me. Why? Cause they've seen my videos mm-hmm. um, or they followed me already. So they know who I, they, they know who they're battling. I have no idea who I'm battling. Um, some people, want to test because I battled one person one way they think oh maybe I'm not as dope in person mm. if I battle someone one way it's because it's for them you know what I mean like even though consistency is something I've been working on like I need to battle everyone like they're the best person in the world mm-hmm. uh, but that's I think one of the challenges as a dancer like you dance and you do certain things but it's like I don't need to do this right now I don't need to overexert myself yeah I know this person can get dogged or smoked or whatever um but to maintain your level 10 at all times um is a challenge especially mentally like you're like i don't need to overdo this right now <laughs> you know what i mean for what um, well they're not bringing it out of you right exactly and one thing that's hard is within crump um 
that feeling I was telling you about with that groove and that motion inside of your body and outside of your arms, mm-hmm. um, you don't, for a while during my time, we didn't see a lot of it. Like we were going around teaching a lot of people doing things. So people were learning a lot of technicalities, but you didn't really feel anything. So that was the presence that we had. And there was a lot of people doing tricks and stuff, but then there's a lot of people that love that person. He's the local favorite. You know what I mean? So, you know, you get that bias hype and stuff. So you have to battle them plus the atmosphere, plus the locals, plus like, you know what I mean? It's that whole thing. To them, you're like, someone that's big that they're looking at but they know that that i have way more to lose than they do so it's like oh if i can get him right now like you know what i mean so i can make a name for myself right and it's still a battle of position um because they know that they're ready to get the footage going they're ready for some youtube going you know what i mean um which is a big thing even though a lot of times it's respect some people want to battle you because they want to try to be your student one day yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Some people just want to experience it because they're tired of battling the same people all the time in their area. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so there's just a lot of things like that. But because during that time um, of when I was traveling in Europe, I was out there for like maybe three months mm-hmm. um, in 2014. Mm-hmm. And I hit mm-hmm. maybe 10 countries. Um, That's a good stretch. Yeah. Especially within three months, there was a lot of moving around. Um but Europe but, is the size of a shopping mall, so <laughs> right, you got true. it. <laughs> and the flights are like, well, I didn't have to worry about that because it was all booking. But from there, it's like 30 minutes. Like, you know what I mean? From one place to the other. Yep. Um, so from there, it was awesome. It was a, a great experience. But, yeah, it was a lot of me showing people who I am and everything. But, I mean, it definitely helped with the following that I had. Um, it let a lot of people see who I am as a person. Because a lot of people want to know who you are as a real person. So even when you travel, people want to battle you. But more importantly, they just want to hang out with you, which is weird at the same time. Oh, yeah. Uh, I definitely know that feeling. Right. It's like if you've seen Chris Brown at an event, it's like, yeah, I want to see him dance. I want to see if he's a good dancer as much as I think. But I just want to kick it with him, too. I I also want to have a beer with that guy. Right. I just want to hang out and, you know, pull my phone out and take a selfie on accident. Yeah. (laughs) Man, those were the heaviest air quotes I've ever heard. Right. <laughs> On accident. Um, so, okay. Because that's that, that provides a lot of insight, but also, like, I, I guess what I'm saying is, like, so if you're in, like, the Nordic countries, like, if you're in Norway and shit, and, you know, you, you come from California, and you come from the state where this, this dance was born, and, you know, you're, like, you're, you're tight with the creators of this shit, and you've been doing it for all these years, and oh, you go out... That's a body and I'm talking shit. Yeah, but I mean, that's the same. Like, you're like, you're, you got some dude in Norway, like, trying to crump with trying to speak that language at you. Like, that's got to feel weird, right? Not really. I mean, I see the ignorance in it, but I also see the heart of it because mm. crump is a hard thing. So I see you want to be a part of it mm. um, as well. There's that side of I know it's a black culture. You know what I mean? You don't know the things I have to deal with. You don't know the pain I've had to deal with as a kid growing up. So you don't know how to tap into a pain because maybe you had something different or maybe, you know, not to say you have to have a horror story, but you don't know how to tap into something that's passionate, you know? Um, And there's people that dance just because of how it looks and not what it feels like. So that's already a different texture if we're going to battle. Yeah. Um, That's why I said that's a body and I'm talking shit. Like I'm letting you know, like, I don't believe you while you're dancing. I will say it to your face. Like in that person's round, I'm like, I don't believe you. What do you do? Like, what are you saying to me? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And also and, like, you know, uh, sorry to cut you off, but like I, I had a, an episode, episode 10 with um, 
Professor Locke, uh, who lives who lives in Denmark. He's a he's a homie from uh, from back when we were both living in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, but he was talking about like you know the the experience of Danish dancers and how you know a lot of their stuff is already taken care of for them, and they don't understand certain struggles when it comes, especially. I mean, shit. Even I don't understand certain things, and will never understand certain things about the black experience. That's just what you know, right. life. But like, um, he's talking about how the Danes do have their own struggle when it comes to like rebelling against the conformity of Danish society, where you are expected to be no better or worse than the guy next to you. Everyone's supposed to be the same. So to all my listeners, because I do have listeners in Denmark, Sweden, Norway, and Finland. I love y'all, but like, this is no disrespect, but you know, there's a difference between like imagining what the conflict of another community is and trying to fake that in yourself. And then like coming from a real place of what is your struggle? Right. Um, And it's a different thing when all you have is dance, like a lot of things, it's a great opportunity, but like when you wake up and it's like, you either try to play sports and be one of the best and make it Mm -hmm. or you get on the streets, sell drugs, try to make money to do whatever um, make sure you're in at a certain time, not because of your parents, but because gunshots are going to be happening outside. Mm-hmm. Um, if you hear a gunshot, make sure you either roll off of the bed, mattresses with no bed frame, because if bullets come through the window, you don't want them to hit you while you're asleep. So you want to be low on the ground. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, it's a different experience of growing up a certain way. Like, what am I going to eat today? Oh, ramen noodles again. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Well, I mean, I can tell you, no, I don't, but (laughs) I hear you. Right. (laughs) I mean, that's a college life, but imagine growing up. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine being a kid and you get excited to have honey and bread, you know what I mean, for something sweet, like rather than something else. Like, that happens. Um, Not Mm. to say that that's my story at all times, because I did grow up with both parents. Yeah. Um, things did happen a certain way. Um, one of my reasons why was my mom died when I was 15. She got sick. She passed from pneumonia. Um, and that led to my reason why of, I don't know how to express this. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, what 15 year old knows how to express the loss of their mother? Right. Which is what pulled me into church and that whole cycle of I need something. I need guidance. My dad was there, but he kind of like did his own thing. He told me to stop dancing, go to college. And I was like, no, I'm gonna dance. So I moved out when I was 17. So from there, now I'm 17. um, Didn't get the full experience of my mother and teaching me. Didn't get experience of how to move out and take care of life. And all I have now is tight eyes as my mentor. You see what Mm. I'm saying? So I'm sleeping on his couch. Like, (laughs) yeah. I even lived with his mom, you know what I mean? Um, and his brother, his brother actually just passed February this year. That was a hard hit for all of us. Oh man. I'm so sorry to hear that. So, And that's definitely a veteran. Like he was one of the, like the first out here, one of the rowdiest people. Um, my brother ER or enforcer, he was in crump Kings and all that stuff too. Um, enforcer Rue, birthquake, you know what I mean? The legendary. <laughs> he was really big about being legendary. When he had his son, his son's name is Legend. Like, <laughs> I mean, so, my, my condolences to you yeah, and your community and that family. That's that's hard. It hit. Um, like I said, we struggled with him. But then I've also seen him work two jobs um, and take care of his wife when he was married and his son. Mm-hmm. And he did that. He had his own spot. Like he did it as we got older, you know, like people started doing different things. But, yeah. you know. 
worked hard. We made it work in a situation to where it seems like we're supposed to fail. Um, where the system is actively rigged against you. Right. Um, yeah. A lot of people are like, oh, just get a job. Yeah, but when you get denied a job because of your name or because you're black or whatever, uh, even if you're in a fresh suit, you know what I mean? Or some people, they'll give you a job just because they need a minority quota. So <laughs> this is, and this, by the way, for those who don't know, this is empirical shit. There is data to back this up. He is not just talking out of imagination. Like the work has been done. The research has been done. Like this shit is real. Right. That's why there's a term systematic oppression. It's not just because one person doesn't like you. It's denials. That's what gentrification is. When white people move into neighborhoods and black people get forced out, the rent goes up because people can't make enough money. Um, the neighborhood changes, get looks all nice, and then black people can't move into that neighborhood now, and then they get pushed to work at other jobs. Or, or families families that have been right. living in that area for generations have to leave. Right. That's why it's not because black people don't want to move in there or anything. It's just because certain things get pushed a certain way. And then you look at the ghettos to where the, they don't care about the community to take care of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the trash dumps are close. It's not that people are there dumping trash or people don't want to take their trash out. It's just that's where all the white neighborhood trash goes now. Like, you know what I mean? Ooh. It's all in that area. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like, people see it and it's like, the, the thing that gets the most frustrating is when people are like, man, just do it. Like, why are you guys being lazy then? It's like, you have no idea that <sighs> it's not, it's not that. You know what I mean? It's not that people are being lazy, but when you try to go about things and you're taught a certain way, then that's there, you know? People talk about black-on-black crime, but there's a saying of crabs in a barrel. You know what I mean? You put people at the bottom and everybody wants to make it out. That's why people start robbing each other, trying to find out what they're going to eat. People start selling drugs and, you know. Well, here's the thing, too. Like, because uh, I was just listening to a podcast about this today in regards to black-on-black crime. Like, that is such a fucking dirty rhetorical trick because white-on-white crime, like, right. white, peop- crime. white people kill <laughs> more white people than anyone else. Black right. people kill more black people than anyone else because, you know, the, you kill who you're around and we're a, still a segregated society. So you're going to kill right. who you know. And there's a lot of as we travel the world, I realize there's a lot of Asian people that kill Asian people. As yeah, well Asian, it, because it's just statistics back it up. Sorry, go right. on. Besides the craziness of North Korea. But <laughs> but there's I, I thought racism with us is crazy. But the racism amongst Asian culture. Is oh, who? When like, you realize all of Asia hates all of Asia. Right. When but, you see Korea and Japan arguing over who made the Korean barbecue first or Japanese barbecue first, like, and they have a bitterness towards each other about that. Really? That's what you worry about? But that said, though, like, there is, you know, I mean, that I feel like that specific argument is an extension of, like, the rape of Nanking and, like, all sorts of right. shit, like... There is history right. there, and I get that. Sure, and also, and also, a lot of that history, it, regards to Asia specifically, is because of colonialism. With like, True. you know, you know, uh, all of Southeast Asia is at war with each other to these to this day because of what France did to them. Right, which makes you know? a lot of sense too, especially if you're talking about colonialism. Because one of the things I was going to bring up was I have a lot of Asian friends from high school that mm-hmm. their parents didn't let them date somebody that wasn't in their culture. Whether Me it's too. Like, whether it's like Filipino, they can't date another, like somebody that's not Filipino, like, and which is definitely racist because a lot of people are like, man, Asian uh, is the same. That's what everybody says. The, same thing about the Thai, people. The Thai kids can't fuck with the Lao kids who can't fuck right. with the Viet kids. Yeah. Right. Like the Japanese kids are somewhere else. You know what I mean? Like, but they can't hang out with the kids from China. Like, 
know what I mean? Which is crazy because the racism of us being American tends to be my bad. I just hit my ring on the table. That's okay. Um, it's the drink. My hand's heavy. So <laughs> <laughs> everything's so heavy and hot and sweaty right, right now. I'm talking like it's a video and my hands are everywhere. But <laughs> um, love it. But like in our American culture too, the racism we have is like people see, tend to see everybody. They're like, they're the same, except when it comes to food, which is completely fucked up. Oh, all sorts of fucked up. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I heard like after I went to Japan and then um, South Korea, I was in mm-hmm. Seoul for a while uh, teaching there. And then I came back, I realized just how different the cultures were and everything. And then I heard somebody like, oh, do you speak Asian now? I was like, wow, bro. <laughs> I speak okay I speak <laughs> I speak Japanese right because I used to live there and I met my you know my cousins and extended family in Australia right after that and every time an Asian family would come by like speaking something they, they my family would look to me and they're like yo what are they saying and I was like Man, motherfuckers I don't, I don't speak Korean I speak Japanese like bro they're freaking Vietnamese <laughs> I don't like, know I was never there <laughs> yeah I couldn't fucking help you but since we are since we are on the topic of racism, um, this year has been a real heavy one for Black Lives Matter protests, considering both the unjustified murder of Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, and countless others by police officers. Definitely. A lot of my black friends in the dance world have been experiencing fatigue and grief in the number and intensity of these murders, and also anger that despite a few weeks of extremely vocal protest and displays of solidarity by non-black dancers, things now appear to be going back to normal in terms of complacency. So a lot of people are rightfully accusing non-black dancers of hopping onto a social justice trend. How has it been going in your community? And have you noticed this same trend with people in your specific scene? Um, it's tricky with Crump because yes, Crump is predominantly um, black because obviously it came from us. When it mm-hmm. comes to certain things, it's not so much of the trend, but we noticed a lot of people that were silent, um, mm. which made us feel some way. And I still don't know how the reaction is going to be when it comes to trying to book us later. I don't know if people are going to accept it, if the creatives are going to accept it. Um, at this point, it's bigger than money. So who knows? Yeah. Um, like for instance, we have friends in Russia that, you know, they deal with their own thing too. Cause Russia oh or is crazy yeah. too. Um, one of my friends, he's actually boy style ripper. Uh, his name is Whiphead. He mm-hmm. lives in, uh, he's from Ukraine, lives in Russia. Um, but during this whole time, he's been working seven days a week. I'm like, wow, Russia, God damn. <laughs> you know? And he's just like, it's Russia, man. If you want money to survive, that's what you have to do. I'm like, that's crazy. But, you know, don't see any of them speaking about black culture, but they're all out there making a business out of Crump. So it's tricky. Um, And then there's certain people around the culture that people look at or talk about with different exposures uh, that are white dancers that either haven't spoke or one of my friends, actually, since you're in Colorado, Mm -hmm. uh, Dylan uh, Dylan or Droid. um, Yo, Dylan goes hard in the paint. Yeah, and he's a police officer, so for him to make that stand, he had people in his department that had issues with him and, you know, different things like that. But he just, you know, he knows he's a part of black culture. He knows a lot of black people. He sees the difference. Um, He sees the injustice, and he's like, that's not why I'm 
a police officer and he sees it in the department as well. So he knows it. It's not just that. Like he knows there are some bad people, but bad people breed bad people. And then it's like the idea spreads. And I have nothing but respect for that man. Like as a fellow white guest of the culture, like to see him like in the position where he is. Cause if he, if he had shut the fuck up, like he could advance career wise. He's a deputy. Right. Right. But like, um, he knows he knows what's important to him and he, he fucking follows through so right. much respect there's a, there's a lot of integrity in who he is as a person i think that's the biggest thing for a lot of people is integrity so a lot of people were poking at people's integrity like do you really believe what you believe or you know are you doing this because you don't want to lose the black following or are you not going to do it because you don't want to lose the white following or like, you know what I mean? It's, it's interesting. And you're seeing people not speak up and they're just still posting dance videos. (laughs) You're like, Whoa, man. Or music (laughs) that they make. Right. Exactly. And they'll tell you, they'll ask you to share it. They'll send you like, Hey man, I got this new song. And it's like, really, that's what you want to do right now. Um, and there's a lot of stuff like that. Like, it's interesting. So we see it, but, um, it wasn't as vocal in our movement because it's there. Like the black people spoke up and from there, everyone kind of supported it um, because Good. it's evident. It's evident um, where it comes from. Uh, so the racism within Crump isn't as extreme, but it's the way that the community is, at least in mm-hmm. the U S like there's not heavy racism in the U S because it's just, flooded with black people so <laughs> it's just too much like it's all of us and then every once in a while there's like three white crumpers you know what i mean mm-hmm. um and they but, know better than to step out of line right um but sometimes we see people and we wonder like why haven't you said anything and you know then they'll say they'll make a post but it's like did you only say that because i said something yeah um, why are you doing this like three weeks after the fact like you had all this time what the fuck were you doing Right. So it's not as heavy as, you know, attacking it that way. But the Mm -hmm. biggest thing for us is probably just the silence. Um, There was a lot of vocalness from the black community, a lot from the West Coast, the East Coast. Um, A lot of my friends went to Washington, D.C. and did a lot of things there, which was awesome. Um, But again, that silence, you know, what I mean, from other other cultures or other people didn't really hear much. Um, Of course, because it's like, why? But they all think they're black, so. Oh, I mean, we <laughs> could do an entire an entire podcast on that in the future. At least Crumpers, might happen. I'm Crumpers, oh, sorry. dude, Chicago right. footwork as well. It's it, the 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 greater dance scene in general. Just from my time living in the, in in the Tokyo area, like I can absolutely confirm what you're saying. But I think it's just the expression of the culture, and they love culture in general. Yeah, the idea of what culture is. Um, There's no malice in it. It's just a fundamental misunderstanding. Right. Right. Like, there's so many Asian people I know in Japan or Korea that crump that say nigga, and that shit drives me crazy. But Ooh, yeah. to them, you know, they're dancing to the music, they're doing this, they're saying it, it's casual, they say us saying it. So it's like, yeah, man, this is just, it's crump slang. Like, no, that's not a crump term. You know what I mean? Like, because you're around it and a lot of us say it does not mean it's something for, you know, everyone to say, uh, especially coming from that place, because now it's like the term of appropriation comes in. Um, but again, I understand it's not coming from that place. Of yeah. Like, I mean, I, I, I treat them with a little more patience. Like right. I've never had to like deal with any of that shit within my crew in Japan. Um, the yeah. Japanese branch of our crew, but it is one of those, like, I always keep an eye out for them for their own sake, because if they knew the mag, the, the magnitude of what that meant, right. like they would be mortified, but they just don't understand. 
Right. Um, and I'm sure they have a ter- they have a sense of certain things that they may experience there. Oh, of but, course. You know, um, to compare, then they then people might feel some way. Um, but they're so big on respect, man. Like so big on respect that I know it's not a malicious thing. Yeah. Um, I think as time grows and they're starting to see the culture and how people are being treated, they feel some way. Mm-hmm. I remember when I went out there, we did a Style Ripper showcase actually. And it was with Twigs and a couple other people. He gave like a speech and he was talking about how Crump saved his life. He was talking about how he came to visit us and he saw that it wasn't easy for us. You know what I mean? Like all this information, all this talent, but he saw that it was harder. And he's like, we have to build something bigger, which is why Japan started doing what they were doing. These major events with exile and all these people too. And there's (laughs) people that are famous that are Crumpers. You know what I mean? Like, yep. These little kids, bro, like that we saw that we were teaching out here making way more money than us being pop stars. <laughs> but, Ouch. um, you know, him just speaking and letting people know, like, it's a whole different world when you come to the U.S., uh, especially for dancers. There's a big struggle behind it. Yep. Um, we don't have as many opportunities. The government just doesn't hand us money for grants or we don't just get scholar or not scholarships, like sponsorships and stuff. The government's um, act- actively trying to kill you. Right. You know what I'm saying? But out there, they're getting sponsored. Like, learning from us, we teach them crump. They go there, then they get sponsored by, like, Spalding. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They all got these backpacks, Jansport. Um, Yep. They, uh, like, different shoe companies and shoe brands. They're getting shoes from, like, Vans and stuff. And we're like, man, we're trying to do this in the U.S., but it's so different. Must be fucking nice. Right. You know what I'm saying? So (laughs) it's it's a rough thing. Uh, But I understand, again, that that's their market. So... That's why he always, when we do things, he always pays us so well. And, you know, we did a big thing. And he was letting people know that they need to understand that before they even get into the culture, which I was like, all right, I respect that. Yeah. Um, it's a major thing. But that whole thing of it kind of fading away, um, I think it's maintaining for us exactly what it was. Um, I don't think as many black people are speaking up as much as they were before. Um, I think that's because people are either starting to get back into work or whatever. Some people are getting unemployment. They're traveling to random places just because they can now. Like, I think some people are just fucking tired, man. Yeah, that's a fact. Like for yeah. for me, for instance, like I see it and I understand. Um, but it's just like, man, this is exhausting. Yes, we've dealt with it for this long. We know it's not going to change right away. But I also don't want to live with anxiety for the next 10 years of my life. Like, I Nor just hit, should you. You know, like I just hit 30 and I'm like, man, there's that moment in your life where it's like, all right, I know what I'm doing. I know I can make money. I know I can survive. I know I can be successful. Mm-hmm. But my health and my peace of mind is so important. My security, the safety of my family, all of these things. Um, and it not only is it physically tiring because we're in the house and our bodies aren't operating the same. But mm-hmm. also now mental exhaustion, spiritual exhaustion, everything there. Because now churches, people are just doing it online. Like whatever people had to hold on to mm-hmm. um, to be just empowered is fading away. So now it's like you really have to deal with yourself. And um, again, referring to my bro Sherwin or baby tight eyes, beast, whatever you want to call him. He, um, he showed me this app called like Headspace. But um, yo, you know what yes. they do? absolutely yeah i love you i love you man so yeah no for (laughs) like you need what this is the thing self-care is absolutely essential and i know it's like a vogue term right now like everyone's just like you know we're throwing it out because whatever it's amazing and you and i joked about it earlier with the booze but it's still like yeah (laughs) you for real 
we need to set, take a second, press pause on all the fucking macho bullshit of like, don't show weakness, don't show vulnerability, don't do this, don't do that. It fucking hurts to be right. human. It's just one of those, like, there's there's virtue in it. There's wonderful things you can experience. But at the same time, like, it fucking hurts. We're all hurting. So we need to acknowledge that regardless of who we are, where we come from, et cetera. So, but especially if you're in a marginalized community like the black community, like, acknowledge that this shit exists, that you're in pain, that you're hurting, and do whatever is necessary to make it to the next day. Right. And we're taught that expressing or anything like that is weakness which is why again we had dance um mm. but yeah man learning to meditate or even just listen to that to where it helps me kind of like just breathe through it let my thoughts go and then understand how to kind of relax them and just give myself more headspace was an amazing yeah. thing like doing it every morning i wake up like all right this is going on. I know I'm going to see stuff on social media, which tripped me out too with all this stuff. Um, did you see that documentary on Netflix, The Social Dilemma? I did not. Um, I I got it. Like the last time I saw a documentary on Netflix was 13th with uh, the Ava DuVernay jo oh, okay. uh, joint with the um, the 13th Amendment. I read and that, that was like this. That was an hour and a half of just like me clenching my jaw and my fists and like trying not to freak the fuck out because it was that shit was intense yeah for sure for sure there's a lot of things that are like holy crap this one's inform it's like informative but it's not boring but at the same time you realize how crazy stuff is like it's you're hearing from people that create like co-creators of marketing for facebook of google all these things and they're talking about like the selling Oof. information how they designed mm -hmm. certain things to just take over people. Yep. Like how they really like, and that's crazy. Cause as soon as I was done, like I went to the store and I seen people on their phones, like everywhere. And I was like, Whoa, and Should they the designed certain ads to pop up. And that's how, like, obviously we know that there's tracking on certain things um, to where you go and you're like looking at something on Google and you go on Facebook, boom, there's an ad for something that you was just looking at. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's crazy, but I mean, it's all marketing that way. And that's how they make their money because they're selling your information to these companies. And it's like, it's just taking so much of your personal time and who you are that they were talking about the brain power and just the progress of um, information that we used to have went downhill rather than up. Like we haven't progressed that much as a human. Like, you know what I mean? Well, it's, 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 all... it's funny you mention it because I with the pandemic, like I've been getting into all sorts of stuff for like, you know, development and growth and et cetera. And I've been really researching, uh, chaos magic. Right. Um, and that's a whole other thing, you know, it's, that's a whole other world unto itself, but I was listening to this conversation between people who were like deep in it. And they're talking about how corporations today, the greatest resource, the greatest resource you can farm, right. Is human attention. Right. So, yeah. yeah, so this is like in any spiritual, it doesn't have to be magic. It, it can be like any sort of like spiritual practice, like with headspace, with meditation, etc. It's all about cultivating attention and understanding where you're putting your attention and your intention, you know? Mm -hmm. So corporations in order to survive and in order to thrive, they grab as much of your attention as possible and they sell it to other corporations, you know? So it's, it's, attention farming and you can buy into that 
yourself like unconsciously by just, you know, clicking on whatever rabbit hole comes up and is available to you. Or you can take some of that back for yourself through meditation, through dance, through martial arts, through doing something that you love that makes you feel engaged and alive and present in this moment. Because the greatest resource that you have that all these millionaires and billionaires are trying to take from you is your attention. Yep. And that's uh, talking about in there too. Like they said, all these things that we see all over that are like free, like I'll get this. It's free. Subscribe to this. It's free. Mm -hmm. If it's anything that's free, if you're not paying for a product, then you are the product. Yeah. I was like, woo. We all pay for it in the end. (laughs) (laughs) But all we do when we continue to look and scroll and scroll, we're just, we're, if anything, we're just giving them that and we're, adding to the algorithm of whatever the system is and investing into it. Um, but to again, bring that back around, cause I know we drifted a little bit, but to bring that around, that's the nature of the beast. Yeah. <laughs> to bring that back. It's, um, it's crazy because a lot of the things we see on social media, they even stated in that documentary that fake news spreads faster than real news. So it's oh, like yeah. all these things of like this information and all these conspiracy theories. And they were talking about like, oh. How Pizzagate was an accident, and from there, the algorithm hit, and it made everybody think that it was like this super real situation. And there was a guy that took a rifle to like a pizza store. Yep. Like it's like yo. And here's here's the thing with that, and um, we're actually planning, uh, we're actively planning a panel discussion right now on this very topic uh, because we have a bunch of voices right now in the dance community talking about save the children and outing sexual predators. And that's all excellent. That's amazing stuff. At the same time, you have to, you have to realize that a lot of this, the, the hashtag save the children comes from QAnon, which -hmm. is that hyper right wing conservative conspiracy theory shit. And that all comes from a concept of what, uh, the moral panic. Right. Right. Definitely. So, we're going to get into this in that future discussion, but like you people really need to understand the value of their own attention. And they also need to understand like the, the systems that are at play with these conspiracy theories and these moral panics that get them worked up into a state where they're just going to go any old way, you know? And so, you know, some good things have happened because of it, because we're, you know, our communities are now like looking at the predators in our midst Right, but that's a good. That's a positive side effect of a actually a very bad like trend. Right, um, and that's tricky because I I was having this conversation. I'm about to be super transparent. I was having this conversation with um my homie Dante or Sweet Face. Mm-hmm. He lives in Florida. He does light feet. Um, I, I was, think I heard of this cat. He's like a DJ and stuff too. But yeah, is he, that Williams? Um, reader, I don't know his. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Reader, I, we're connected yep. on Facebook. Yeah, okay, yep. go on. That's the homie. Yeah, so we were talking about it. Um, and we we're just uh, because he has a podcast too, and I was like, man, I want to be on everybody's podcast right now. Like that's why, that's why I made that post. I'm like, I just feel like speaking. You know, um, we're happy to have you. Right, thank you. I appreciate it, and the drink has done its job. So excellent. Now I just got to survive to the end of the world. So <laughs> I will keep dancing regardless. <laughs> But, exactly um, <laughs> you're talking with dante right yeah and uh we we're talking about just how all these things are because yes it hit crump i think it's hit like every style people are bringing it up um different girls are speaking out um different people are bringing up situations there's a lot of 
go after this person, this person's this, you know what I mean? A lot of that. Um, now I've seen both sides of this situation, uh, even in Crump. So I've seen when people have spoken up, women have came out and it was a real situation. Um, and it was like, people came to us because we were obviously a big voice in the community. And it's like, Hey, you got to get rid of him, ban him from all the events. You know what I mean? It's like, we don't know what's going on. You know what I mean? It's like, was there a police report filed or something? They're like, yeah, but we can't send it yet. So it's like, but do you know how hard that is to believe? Yeah, but uh, okay, but also but you don't want to say that you don't believe a woman. Res- that's res- hard. Respectfully, though, right? Right, of course. With everything we know about the American criminal justice system, right? With this one instance, we're now suddenly all trusting that it's doing its job and that the police right. are going to, you know, do the right thing here. Right. But so, it's, like, it's hard to know because. Yeah, I, I get of- that. Especially where this one, where one of the people live, it's a black man. He lives in like a majority white area, white mm-hmm. the whole state really. Like he's like one of two black clumpers in a whole white area. Um, yeah, and it's like we believe it because it's crazy, and we always knew there was something a little off about this person. So I was like, Are we, we talking about it? Salt Lake? Haha. <laughs> okay, so let's keep talking. <laughs> All yeah. right, so. Definitely. We're wi- we're winding down in time, but uh, and you and I can talk about this later. But here's here's the point that I that I have to make on this issue because yeah. we should have talked about this way earlier. Definitely, I've done a lot of work uh, in regards to like uh, teaching self defense to right. women and kids, and I've worked with survivors, and I've seen the like the information and the research and all the shit behind this, right? Right. Um. And the thing that I have to keep stressing to people in our community is that when you are waiting for objective evidence or witnesses, it might be too late for sure. Two, well, two things, right? Number one is that usually in almost all cases, the only witness to an assault is the survivor. Right. Secondly, is that what, and, and this is the shitty thing that, um, that guys in our scene have to understand is that assailants groom their victims but right. they also groom their witnesses and their supporters. Absolutely. So, like, it's hard for us to accept that somebody that, that we love and we're close to and that we've spent all this time defending has done these horrible things because, oh, we've never seen that. Well, that's by design, too. And, like, just if you look at the math, at the statistics, most of the time, like, it's, yes, false accusations happen. Right. But if we're talking about numbers... Right, and super that small compared to the actual number of, of assaults. Sorry, go on. Right. No, I was just going to say, because um, I don't want to drag it on, but the point at why I brought yeah. that one up is because that's the one that we actually believed. Like, okay, yeah, that's something here. We don't, we don't know the person like that. We don't know the mm-hmm. guy. We don't know the girls. It's just like, all right, but that's too many people. You know what I mean? Too many people speaking up. Something has to be done. You know what I mean? And then the person disappeared. Now, there's someone that was close to us that worked mm-hmm. at a studio that was teaching mm-hmm. kids and um, someone tried to like one of the other studio owners was like, yeah, one of the parents said that this person, the kids felt com- uncomfortable around this guy because of this and this. So they turned it into this whole thing. Like, oh, he's a pedophile and this and this. Mm-hmm. Now the parents never said anything, but shortly after that guy that said that got out of the contract to close the studio, the studio got closed down it was like, this seemed like you brought that up so you can get out of it. Mm. You know what I mean? And to tear down someone's image to do that. Because we're like, yeah, we know this guy and he's never there by himself. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we know the whole process. Like, mm-hmm. 
that's kind of weird. So it's like I know that there's also false ones too to come at people's character or whatever it is. I don't know why or what people are trying to get out of it. But I know in this time that there's true ones and then there's also ones that are kind of strange. Yeah. And I get that. Like, we have to always acknowledge that the possibility of false accusations happen. Like, Emmett Till is a fucking yeah, that's perennial the, figure. Man. Like, he is, you know, if we're going to talk about anything, we're going to talk about Emmett Till from Chicago, right? Right. right. Um, but, like, we, we have to keep room for that. But at the same time, we have to also keep room for these survivors, too. You know, like, right. there's like, and when it comes, and this is a huge fucking discussion, and we are going to come back to this. But um, at the end of the day, the day and I, I had this conversation with um, uh, Hans from the Floridians. Hey, right? boy. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's a good dude. But we had a conversation on his episode where we talked about this. And my stance was, I will automatically believe the survivor. And if it turns out that I'm wrong, I will make amends. I will, I will apologize. I will lower myself. I will make amends to whoever need, whoever I need it to, because at the end of the day, right. If somebody's tricked me, if, if, uh, if somebody made a false accusation and they tricked me, that's their shame, right? That shame is on them a hundred percent, you know, but if that, but if it was real, right. I would, if I have to choose between like the, the first situation or the second, like I will always choose, I'll throw my, the, my lot in with the survivor, you know? Right. And if it turns out I'm wrong, I'll do the work to make things right. But you know, I would rather do that than like accidentally, you know, support somebody who right. played me, you know? And that's, and that's where I stand because as a community leader, even though I don't personally know, every single person or what's going on when people Still come a leader. to us, right. When people come to us about people or in their community or something or something that's going on, I'm like, I have to be a leader for the leaders in those States. You know what I mean? And it's like, if someone comes to me from Arizona and it's like, Hey, this person just moved here. People are saying he's a pedophile and we don't know the girls are feeling uncomfortable. It's like, bro, well, love your people first. We don't know this person that's coming around, but if people are saying it, whether it's a rumor or true, is it worth the risk? Not at all. So yeah. maybe this person shouldn't come around until either more information comes up or we know what's happening, but protect the youth in your area, protect, protect the men in your area, protect the parents, the family. You know what I mean? Like, because that's your community. You yes, got to keep our people safe. Right. Yes, it's the whole culture and thing, but you have to pr protect your community first and then broad. You can't just be like, I'm going to protect the whole corrupt movement because who can do that? Who's no. is that big? So we have to protect the people that are leading. And then from there, they protect their students or their dancers and whatever. Um, mm. But yeah, I definitely agree with that. Regardless of if it's true or not, is it worth the risk? Not at all. So you have to take people's word for it. Um, as you proceed and figure out how to move forward because you can't take that risk. It's never worth it. Yeah, that's excellent point. Um, so to finish out, uh, so full disclosure for everyone at home, I was actually recommended to uh, basics by uh, our good friend of the show, Xavier Thomas, who has his own episode. Um, and you, as you mentioned earlier, like you put out a post, like, yo, I'm ready to speak. Like who's, who's got a platform. Right. You know? So with that said, uh, my final question to you, because you definitely have things that you need to say and let out. What is one question that you have always wanted to be asked? Or what is an answer that you feel you need to give right now? 
Um, I think the biggest thing is like, what's important to you or what do you stand for? Like, I feel like that's a big question that people don't ask dancers. It's more like, how did you learn how to do this? And a tech, a technical thing, but you never get those personal questions of what do you stand for? You don't want to get into religion and be like, what do you believe? Um, but definitely what do you stand for? Who are you? Where's your integrity stand? Um, those type of ideologies, you know what I mean? So in that, so in that case, LeVar, what do you stand for? Um, for me, the biggest thing is really peace. Like, and I'm not talking about like world peace. I'm talking about peace in myself, Mm -hmm. um, peace with the music, peace in my mind, (laughs) Uh, peace in my body, like health wise. Um, I would just say that that's peace. I mean, I've been trying to switch over to being a vegan. It's hard, but <laughs> it takes time. Yeah, yeah it's time. I mean, it's I don't easy. I don't have dairy anymore. Like, cause it started giving me heartburn as I switched. I was like, my body doesn't like none of this stuff anymore. Um, <laughs> the older I, you get I, too. Right, right. Yeah. But you know, just taking care of yourself, like loving yourself and loving others. Like out of all the spiritual side of things that I went through, I seen a lot of good and bad but I realized in all religions, it always talks about just loving other people. Um, mm. So to me, that's it. But it's not like love in a romance way, but like kind of like believing and supporting somebody in with whatever your means are. Um, of course, a stranger, I'm not going to walk up to him and hug him because I don't know you. That's inappropriate. Uh, yeah, it's a huge violation of balance. <laughs> but yeah. Right. But you know what I mean? If you're starting to fall, I'll go and try to catch you real quick, you know, because if I was falling, I'd want that too, you know? Um, but that's really it. And amongst all the loss I've had in my life, um, I always hashtag, this is why to say love yours, but that came from J Cole, but Mm. I love that. Love your people, love who you are, love everything you have, because we never know when it's going to be there. Like this COVID has been extreme for me. Um, Mm. same. I'm lucky enough to have ways to make income. You know what I mean? Um, with, like I said, the credit stuff, like I work with people to fix their stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, that's always an ongoing thing, but I totaled my car, um, a beautiful infinity Q 50. It was amazing. Um, I was on the freeway going from Las Vegas to LA to drop a friend off. Um, I avoided an accident, but the dirt, when I went off road, made me slide. I spun hit like the metal did not get injured at all, but I totaled the car. Thank God. Right. But I was like, damn, that's my car. You know what I mean? Like, Rest in paradise, yeah. infinity. Right. That's a, it's a tough situation. So, you know, that's a financial hit. Um, yeah. Good thing I know how to work with credit. But oh, Yo, I've taken <laughs> a bunch of those this week alone, dude. I had a tire explode on me on the freeway. Bro. And then I had to pay for an emergency procedure for our cat. So, like. What? Oh, yeah, animal procedures are insane. I'm in the hole, man. It sucks. Um, I had a $5,000. Well, before the accident, I had a $5,000 video camera, Sony FS. Oh, uh, 5k man. that i filmed with stolen out my car oh my god um, that came from my school which was full sale so i was like wow oh uh, my god so it was like now i can't film projects out here to make money i can't drive around um stuff just got really tough uh, i was dancing i pulled mm-hmm. um a muscle in my calf like the top um what is it the peroneal something i don't know it's like the top whatever it mm-hmm. is near my knee uh so it was hard to walk and then that got oh. i started training again then I pulled my piriformis, which is like the muscle that comes across your butt <laughs> that moves your hips. Yep, like, I'm, a, I'm familiar. Yeah, I pulled that, and I just I'm just now recovering from that. But it was a lot of issues and pains of everything that kept going, and the only thing that kept me going was my peace in mind of knowing, you know what I mean, that yes, things get bad, but there's always going to be an end. Then 
you know? Yeah. Um, as long as I have an end then, because I know people that have passed, like losing, you know, one of my closest friends this year, like the end of last year, I lost my grandma. And then like right after that, my cousin, like I was, Damn, man. it I'm was so rough, sorry. You know what I mean? And then to lose yeah. my mom, obviously it's like, who do I go to? Um, and it's a rough situation. Um, but it's just that whole thing of trying to do everything. The only thing that kept me going was the peace of my mind. Um, my friends that were showing me to meditate, to do this, um, tie dyes even after all that stuff got me into praying again. Um, so it's like, all right, well, I don't know what I'm gonna pray for, but I'm going to do something. You know what I mean? I'm going to try to do that. But yeah. that peace, that peace of my mind of waking up in the morning, making sure I'm good. And it's like, all right, I'm going to conquer today. You know what I mean? Or whatever it is. I stand on that, that whatever I do, I'm going to appreciate and take care of it because it could be gone at any given time. So that's definitely the biggest answer, I think, to that of what do I stand on is loving everything I have, loving all the people around me because who knows? You know what I mean? Especially this day and age. Jesus, we don't know what's going to go on. Goddamn right. And that's a beautiful sentiment to end on. Thank you very much for that, man. Um, We're all going through our shit, but it, it helps to hear it from others. Definitely. So that's another reason why we have this. So for everyone at home, uh, I'm pretty sure basics has gone through his entire supply, but anyone who still has drink left in their glass, um, <laughs> will end this episode with the traditional toast to the end of the world, to the end of the world, Slancha. I'm the end of this bottle. Oh, good stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, um, basics. Is there anything else you want to leave with the audience, uh, the audience at home with any closing thoughts for you? No. Um, I mean, if anyone has any questions about Crump, definitely reach out to me or anyone else, you know, you know what I mean? If you ever have any interest in Crump or any other styles that you have, reach out to somebody, you know, that's really in the culture and learn about it, regardless of what you do. You don't have to be bound to one style or one culture. Um, it's just exploring, you know what I mean? Explore your body. We all have our own natural movements. Um, so and yeah. where, where can audiences reach you? I mean, we're, we're going to have this in the, uh, the, the show notes, but if somebody wants to get a hold of you, where do they go? Um, quickest way would probably be Instagram, which is I'm so style. So I am S O style, um, which actually leads to my specialty. Like the styles of crump is one of my specialties, character development, or personality, you know, in dance is one of my uh, specialties, um, which actually led to me having a new name. <laughs> Sorry about all these names. <laughs> oh, I'm all but, about it, man. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to be letting go soon of the twin style name. And um, the new name I have now, uh, Todd Eyes decided to move me to the Todd Eyes family. So my name is actually Style Eyes or Style Todd Eyes. And that's my new name. That's a that's a wonderful name, man. I'm about it. Stylize is cool, man. I like it. I changed my PlayStation name already and everything. Hey, there you go. <laughs> so, um, and also for those who listen uh, regularly, you know that his uh, his payment links are in the show notes. If you can help the dude out in this trying time, I know everyone's hard on cash, etc. But if you got a little extra and you want to support. We're going to have that resource for you. So please, um, you know, help support black artists. Um, yep. Um, so thank you very much. LaVar McCree, uh, AKA style eyes. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm going to put that in the description. Uh, <laughs> so this has been uh, style eyes and this has been Rob Celtic and we are signing off. We will endure.
we will grow and we will overcome. God bless. God bless. Awesome. This episode of Drinking and Dance at the End of the World was written and produced by me, Rob Celtic. Music for this episode was provided by the one and only Feathers. That's F-T-H-R-S. You can find his new album, Floating, on Spotify and Bandcamp under Feathers. If you like what you heard and you want to support the show, visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash drinkingandance and donate for early episode releases, bonus episodes, personal shoutouts, and more. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to like, favorite, and follow on Spotify and Anchor. We'll see you next time.